Rice, Stakes at Grays, Jimmy Medlin, Coach Mike Ray, Cuba Lacker, Bobby York, TJ and the Moose, Jim Drury, Richard Dixon, Lawson, Gaither, Dennis Dixon, Delvin, Cessna, Kelvin, Cessna, Six-Gun, Billy Q. Jimmy Worth, Jim Baker, Sports and Spurs, Jody Moan, Bob Bagby, and the Lions Jamboree. Wrestling team getting lean, Susan Ride, Hoops Queen, Dennis Bowser, Tank Farm, JD Saver, Bobby D. Well, we didn't start the fire, but we're going to keep it going here in the first show of 2023. Welcome to the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Got the whole band of uh, back together here for this first episode of 23. Going to say hello to my brother, Mr. Gary Emmons. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody once again. Happy New Year. And Mr. David King from the King Farm Empire south of uh, Bridgeport. <laughs> Hey guys, good to be back. Been a while. Yeah, absolutely. I am Brian Emmons and the man of the hour. We'll give his full introduction here in just a few few minutes, but Colfax, Illinois right now, but really from Bridgeport, Illinois, Mr. Chip Jamerson. Glad to be here. This is, I, I'm a little more nervous today than I am on a normal podcast. It's different me on this side of the microphone. You're in the hot seat today. This is yes. going to be the Meet the Host Chip Jamerson episode, the third of the series. We've done Gary. Gosh, I didn't even look up the date. We did the first two a while back. Yeah, they were back in 2021. So it's been a while since we've done one of these. Wow. And uh, so we're going to do that. Got a lot of shows lined up. We, we've been discussing what we want to do for the year. We'll have 24 shows throughout 2023. And and uh, we, we've, we've talked about some guests we want to have. We still would love to do that wrestling episode that we've talked about many times and get Jim Drury on. And, and I know we're, we're working with uh, Bob Bagby. We got to have Bill Evans number two sometime this year. We want to do a Brandon Smith episode. We've, we've got all kinds. And of course we'll have this week in the daily record episodes and, and who knows what else we'll come up with and prom homecoming. Yeah. We've got, got several several good shows lined up for you and we want to of course thank our sponsors gray's restaurant in bridgeport tyler griffin's pizza house andrew's insurance agency and of course stacy over at people state bank real quick before we get going with meet the host chip jamerson i'm going to throw it to chip jamerson and let him talk about a special show we've got coming up here in just a little over a month yeah we put a post out on facebook a couple well about a week ago from when you're listening to this um but february 11th it's a saturday saturday evening red hill has a home game that night and that worked out well for us it's a red hill it's a boys basketball game the whole podcast crew that's here today will be up in the corner at red hill gym doing a live podcast that night I've had some people say, are you broadcasting the game? No, we're going to leave that to Stuart Brookings and Waco, uh, the legend, 99.3. We're going to leave the play-by-play to them. We're going to be just having a normal podcast. We may mention what's going on in the game, but we're probably going to be talking more 70s, 80s, and 90s while the game's going on. But we welcome everyone to come up and, and say hello. A few We've already reached out to a few special guests and... Gary, you have anything else on that? More. Yeah, I wanted to thank. I uh, reached out to Greg McKinney and Brian Havel, the ADs, and uh, the, to get permission to do that. So I appreciate their allowing us to uh, broadcast or, or record an episode there live from. We're biased, but the greatest gym in yeah. Illinois, and maybe yeah, even further than that. So King and I just what about a month ago we were sitting at the gym watching a basketball game, and and I kind of looked over there at that corner like I always do because I, I used to love what 
the activity when I was a kid, what was going on up in that corner. And that's where they used to record the games from for the game film. And, and I, I always thought it was so cool when I went up there and they had a little TV monitor and they were playing the Dukes of Hazard on a Friday night. I just, <laughs> I, I like that technology blew my mind were doing that like in 1981. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So anyway, but I was looking up there and I said, you know, That'd be fun if we could do a live podcast from there. So we're yeah. going to do and that. For those trying to the logistics, we're talking the corner, like on the visitor side, right? Is that where we're picturing ourselves? Yeah, yeah. Southeast, so it, southeast corner, yeah. southeast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we're going to uh, we're going to be up there. And listen, I I invite all the especially all the old school um, listeners and and the old school people. Um, if you can come up, sit with us, you know, there in front and, and we'll, we'll, we're going to talk to a ton of people. We've got some, some interviews already lined up and I'm sure we'll book some interviews on the fly that night. And then, um, there's, there's some that we would love to get up there. So please come by, say hi. And, uh, we're going to have a real good time and we've got a full day. Um, I want to do a, I've always wanted to do a podcast that we can go a bit mobile on. And, uh, I, we're going to record one that day while we're driving around Bridgeport, just what we see. And, and, uh, that may not, may not be the, uh, the most, let's call it tight production, uh, show of the world, but, uh, we're going to try to do that, see if that works. And then we've got some other stuff. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind stopping the car for a little bit, the little league field, the tank farm. <laughs> I mean, all these great look, stop and talk there for a little bit as we're mobile doing that podcast. Yeah. That that's one. We almost need a, a videographer with us. Yeah. Um, and then of course we'll, we'll have lunch at, at Gray's and, and who knows how we may plug in the microphones there and just keep going to make this a, a whole yeah, day. True. But yeah, it's, it's going to be going to be a really fun day with, with three of my best friends in the world. And I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it before we get started to, to the introduction here to this show. I want to again, thank Gray's restaurant, people state bank, Andrews insurance agency and Tyler Griffin's pizza house for being our sponsors for the old school Red Hill podcast. You want all the amenities of a big time bank with a local touch? No better place than People State Bank. Sumner, Bridgeport, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville are your convenient locations. They've got financial accounts and assistance for personal, business, agricultural, trust services, and retirement accounts. And People State Bank's your local bank that supports Red Hill Sports and other activities as well as 4-H projects and many, many other local organizations. Remember, four convenient locations, Sumner, Bridgeport, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville, People's State Bank. You know, for many, many years, the most popular place around has been Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. They're at 955 East State Street, of course. Dine in, carry out, you name it. If you do want to carry it out, call 618-945-9501 and you can pick it up at the window. But better yet, go in, sit down, have a drink. You'll see some friends, I guarantee it. Hand-cut steaks, tenderloins famous catfish dinners and of course those great cheeseburgers check out the facebook page they got a calendar up every month of all their lunch specials i see taco salad bacon cheeseburgers beef manhattans all kinds of great items do yourself a favor let the gray family cook for your family today
He's one of the greatest Red Hill fans of all time. I don't think there's any question about that. He's been a supporter of Red Hill Athletics, whether he lived in the town or whether he did not. If there was a yearbook award for the most school spirit for life, he would win it. He was He's a great sports fan, music fan, friend, husband, father, and he was Big Data before Big Data was cool. He is what you would call a true Bridgeport kid. Mr. Chip Jamerson. Thank you very much. Thanks for that I like, introduction. I, I like the big data before big or before big data. That's awesome. I don't know anybody that has had the ability to uh, compile a list better than I was Chip. Gonna, I was going to say that that describes you perfectly. That's great. Chip, Thank welcome you. to the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Well, glad to be here. This is I did now. The one good thing is I didn't have to. Usually, it's a lot of prep that we do to get ready. I did, I did zero prep for this episode, so. I'm kind of a little more relaxed in that manner, but um, yeah, hopefully I am ready for your questions that you have lined up for me. Well, let's start where, where you're at now. Tell us where you live. Um, talk about your, your life with Patty and, and what's Chip Jamerson got going on in 2023. All right. Well, as Brian said earlier, I live in Colfax, Illinois. It's a suburb of Bloomington, Illinois uh, for, you know, we're, about 15, 20 miles outside of Bloomington, but uh, we're in McLean County, so we're near Bloomington Normal, and I've been here. This is my 12th year here. I teach at Ridgeview, which are, is our school district um, in Colfax. Is that so, um, the Ridgeview Eagles? Is that right? The Ridgeview Mustangs. Mustangs, okay. Yes. So, and then it's my 27th year teaching overall. I uh, taught 15 years at Athens, which is right outside of Springfield the first 15 years. So, and then 12 here. So we live here in Colfax. And as Brian said, I'm married to my wife, Patty. We've been married for 17 years now. And these three hosts here were all in my wedding. So we've been friends for a long time, which I'm sure I'll bring up more later on in the episode. And then we have two beautiful daughters. Um, Josie is 13 and she's in eighth grade at Ridgeview. And Lucy wow. is 10 and she's in fourth grade at Ridgeview. So that's, that's where we're at now. I, I've taught, I've done about everything in education in my 27 years. I would, I started off as a third grade teacher. I was a fifth grade teacher. I was, um, I was a athletic director at Athens for three years. I was a principal up here. When I first came up here, I moved back to the classroom to fifth grade. Now I'm teach. I'm a title, um, math title math math interventionist um here so i work with all with k through five kids uh with their math each day so i've uh coached uh junior high boys junior high girls basketball um at athens not done any coaching here so i've in done a variety of other things so i've experienced a lot in my 27 years in education Great. And that's silly to think that Chip James. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm starting to look up retired. I mean, yeah. retirement. Starting to look at those. Look at that now. Not too far down the road. Five years We're going to have some great podcast episodes when yes. Chip, re Chip retires and got right. real yeah. research time. Uh, well, let's just let's start at the beginning. Uh, December 25th, 1972. Little Charles Lynn Jamerson Jr. was born to Mary, the former Mary Stivers and Lynn Jamerson. And I have just uh, to thank the Dick Poppy estate as they put all the newspapers on the Lawrence County 
Library website. I've got the announcement here, and it says, It's a boy. Mr. and Mrs. Lynn Jamerson announced the birth of a son, Charles Lynn Jamerson Jr., at 6.37 a.m. on Christmas morning at Good Samaritan Hospital. He weighed 7 pounds, 3 ounces. What are you weighing now? No, you don't have to tell us what you weigh now. Yeah. <laughs> Grandparents are Mr. and Mrs. Lewis Stivers of Frankfort, Kentucky, and Earl Jamerson of Mantino. Mantino, that's it. Mantino. I didn't know that. And Mrs. Jean Hamilton of Evansville, Indiana. So tell us what you can remember about that day, Chip, because you got the best memory of of anybody I've ever. Yeah, known. I've heard a lot about that day, but yeah. So I was I was actually we were recording this on January eighth. We we're recording this on my due date, actually. So oh wow, I yes, I. Um, I was born a couple weeks early, so it was uh, my mom. Obviously, was always talks about Christmas Eve, and because um, I was born that next morning, and being a what a Christmas present I was, and it was. I like having a Christmas birthday. I, it's a lot of people say you wouldn't like it because your birthday kind of gets overshadowed, but uh, I like it as a conversation. Piece, I know that so. is one thing my mom has always mentioned when it, it well, you know, it, obviously I'm always together with mom on Chip's birthday and we, that will inevitably come up because kind of it's become a tradition when, when Gary and I, even if, if we're ready to go to bed, we stay up so we can be the first to text Chip at 12.01 or yeah. 12 and seconds um, happy yes. birthday. So and that's one and thing that's tougher now because we're in eastern time zone yeah, a lot of time yeah exactly together now so. <laughs> yeah so we have to stay up to one yeah you're right but mom has always said that that mary always made sure that chip's birthday was his birthday and christmas was christmas and and yep. she's always talked about that how that was that yep. that was made mary and and i'm sure lynn too made sure that that was a, a separation and, and a special time not a lot of people i think you're the only person i know that is born on christmas day I think. Oh, you, oh, you know others. <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah. Chris Lyles, <laughs> former podcast uh, <laughs> guest, Chris Lyles, uh, Jimmy Worth. There's some big names. Jody Chancellor. <laughs> Jay well, Wilcox. Jay Wilcox. There you go. The list goes on. It's the only, the only one I do a podcast with. How about that? <laughs> I <laughs> include Lyles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And in, but, uh, in, sure, in true chip form, I went back, just clicked one page over, looked on the sports page to see what's going on. And a, a, a lot, a big day, actually, in this newspaper um, happened in, in Red Hill Sports. Um, the Bulldogs at the time, Bridgeport Bulldogs, they won the consolation honors at the Charleston Holiday Tournament, which oh, the wow. Lawrenceville Indians would make famous. They defeated Homer in the afternoon session, 67-54. Your leading scorer would be Doug Hardacre, which he would have been a sophomore. Junior, oh, is, this, this would have been the last year yeah, for, you're right. Red, yeah. for Bridgeport. So. So, yeah, so he had 20 points in that one. And uh, Alan Gray had 19 points. And then they went to the... Uh, championship game juniors Chris Black and Alan Gray had 24 and 23 respectively big day beats Flora 100 to 64 to uh, in that consolation wow. game yeah so they put up triple digits do you live at that point there at Adams and Franklin or, or not, where did you where'd you live early not yet we actually lived in a house uh, a brick house I, well yeah I think it was brick right across from the country club is where we live we would have been in the Lawrenceville school district um, really? So now, see, I'm already right learning on, stuff. Right there on the, like, I'm not talking down the highway across from the country club. Like, I'm talking, like, right in front, like, the country club, like, the, what hole is that? Is that the fifth hole? Fifth, where I'm like, off where that? those apartments are now? 
Yeah, kind of in that area. Um, So we lived in a house there. Is the Um, house still there? I think it might be because it's right before you get to the apartments. Um, I I didn't know this. Recently, yeah, we lived there for, I don't know how long my parents have been living there, but they were living there at that time. So, yeah, that was my home. I was the Lawrenceville Indian for the first nine months of my life. Wow. Uh, just barely. I mean, right there on the right yeah, there on the borderline. Literally on the line. <laughs> yeah. And then we moved into Adam Street um in 73. So I was like nine months old when when we bought that house. So that's eleven oh five Adams Street. They're at the corner of Adams and Franklin. Talk about that neighborhood and, and all the the friends, the lifelong friends you made there and and all of the just we can get into some of the stuff that, that happened yeah. while you lived at that house. It was, yeah, I, I, it was the greatest neighborhood to grow up in. I know some people on the, there were some great neighborhoods on the other side of Bridgeport um, where a lot of my friends grew up. You guys lived there for a lot of times, but I really think that West side of Bridgeport, that Adams Franklin neighborhood was the best neighborhood in Bridgeport. I'll talk about some of the people that lived around there. I, I'm sure I'll, as they say, leave out some, but uh, the Rays, when you think of that neighborhood, obviously I'm thinking of the Rays first and foremost. They lived there at 501 Franklin, um, just a couple houses, um, caddy corner from us. And um, so I was the same age as Corey and I are the same age. Um, so he was one of my first first friends, my oldest friends. And of course, we, we've had Coach Ray on before. So that, that's the family we're talking about here. So we had the Rays. So, and then Mike was always out, you know, whether, and this is a little bit later on, but when you guys live there, um, you know, hitting us fly balls, grab balls, all those type of things. So sports were a big part of growing up in that neighborhood. So of course you had the Rays. We lived next door to the Shiloh Baptist uh, parsonage. So whoever was the minister of the Shiloh church at that time lived right next door to us. And, uh, we had the Lindsay's that lived there and the Renfro's and the doers. Um, and, and they had kids, all their kids. I always, uh, played with. It was a very exciting time in the early eighties. They're right next door to the Ray's house. The Emmons has moved in there. Um, we were already friends with my mom was friends with Brian and Gary's mom through uh, the Delts. Delts, yeah. Um, Delta Theta Tall. The Delts group. Um, so Brian definitely one of my I probably know Brian longer than Corey, actually, because Brian would have been, I wouldn't remember it, but Brian would have been four, you know, four or five years old when I was really young. So um so they moved in there. So having Gary and Brian in the neighborhood, along with the Rays, along with the people, whoever, the Renfros, whoever was at the Shiloh house at that time, um, just added to it. And I've got a few more I could have. Then they would move away for a little while. Yep. And then they would eventually move back to the house right next to that <laughs> yeah. on Adams Street at 1045. Um, Adams Street is where they moved, which kind of right next door there's a franklin street separating our house so you know that i was friends with gary and brian for my whole life but them moving into the neighborhood is where i really started spending especially when they moved to 1045 adam street yeah. when i was in fifth grade was when gary would have been in third grade brian would have been just finishing his freshman year of high school and they moved in that's where i really became extremely tight with them was with them all the time some days with them the entire day and then People that I, the Bledsoe's, Doug, Donnie, some people may remember Doug and Donnie. The Coopers lived a few houses down. So Heather, Angie, Jackie, 
the Gognitz lived right across the street from us when I was younger. I Trisha was a couple years older than me. Uh, Trisha would be involved in our. Uh, they had a lot of older kids too. Jan, Elaine, Gary. Did I leave out any Gognitz? I don't think so. So, um, yeah. And then Jason Riggs, his grandparents lived there. Uh, Chuck Ash lived there for the Ubalackers. Doug Stevenson. Because I was going to say, right. yeah, Stevenson's <laughs> down the other way. Yeah, what? the Ubalacker boys were <laughs> a little bit older than me, so I never really knew them that well. But they're, I mean, they're still there. I let, we were just going down, Josie and I were going down that street just last week, and I was like, Gognitz, Ubalackers, <laughs> Coopers. I mean, a lot of people have moved off of this street, yeah. but those three those are still are solid still on there. Adam Street today. Well, and the Kurtz. Um, and the Kurtzes, yeah. The Kurtz, man. Yeah, I mean, you go up to Madison Street, you got the Kurtzes there. So. And the Satterwaits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jubal would come over, and it, he was part of some i think he was out there during the bridgeport earthquake with us in uh, oh, wow. yeah. 1987 so and i always say too like i know like my, my son gavin live in evansville live in a big subdivision like he'll never get to experience what we experienced in the 80s and i don't know no. that that's the same everywhere chip you live in a smaller town maybe that's you get a little bit of that with your kids but yeah but it's it's, it's, it's nothing like, like, nothing we have a good neighborhood but it's nothing like what Adams and Franklin was well, that, and not know, only that, just, I mean, it was with the streets, they weren't incredibly busy streets. Right. And then you go over on the, on the other side, there were the rays and, and Kurtz's and Satterway, she's Riz Reed and just go around the, the it, Lancasters, Bonnie and Connie. Yeah. It, it, and it was just it, it, that it was a whole block. Everybody was built along the street. So you've just got a massive amount of grass out there. Yeah, that right. it just it was really, I mean, there was, you know, Kurt's Mike had his garden and there was, there was no fences. It was just a big yeah. open space that you could. Yeah. Misty could and do. Jennifer Wells. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah when, the, when the Bledsoe's moved out, the Wells just moved in. So. <laughs> and for, for people to, I mean, there were, there were evenings in the summertime when we would have hide and go seat games that were legendary and the, the Rays house and the Rays basketball goal. That was, that was the base. That's where you're trying to get back to. And these were like, you know, seven on seven, 10 on 10, uh, hide and go seat games that were, yeah, you brought everybody. Like I might spend most of my day with like Gary and the Rays. Uh, Brian was a little bit. So a lot of like our, when they lived on Adams street, a lot of like our childhood things, Brian wasn't as involved, involved in those. He was still very involved in a lot of things we did, but the hide and go seek and things like that. Brian was a little bit older than us, but you—that's where you bring in the. You may have not seen the Wellses or the or Jubal at all that day, but what, Heather Cooper may have not seen much of her. But when it's hide and go seek time, I mean, everybody's all in on that. <laughs> I'm crazy. It's awesome. When Chucky Ash lived on Adams for a short time, he was big on the hide and seek games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so as, as we as we move through now, how old were you when Barbie, your sister Barbie, was born? I would have been four years old. It would have been the summer of 77. And we do meet the, go back and listen to that uh, summer of 77 podcast. You can uh, right. get more information on that. But yeah, I was four <laughs> years old. I do remember that. That was one of my earlier memories of things I can actually remember. I remember my dad driving fast to Good Samaritan Hospital that evening. So, um, but yeah, so Barbie joins us in 1977. And then we, you, you, you start at seed school and you're, you're in an interesting position when you go to seed school, not very many people, uh, have the opportunity to go a, where your father, um, teaches, but he's also the principal. Uh-huh. And, and so t- let's just talk about your, your time at, at seed school. Well, that, I mean, the, we talk about the great neighborhoods of all time I and mean, the great elementary schools of all time, <laughs> seed school, um, Loved my time there. So, of course, went to kindergarten to K-5-6 center and then 
uh, started there. It was really, I don't feel like, and my dad's always been really good about this. He wanted me to, he never given me any preferential treatment or anything like that because he was principal. So I always just kind of felt like I was just any other student there. I didn't feel like I was any, that I should be treated any differently. Um, so um, start off there in, in first grade in Mrs. Paddock's class. And that was a big moment for me because that's where I got to meet Brandon. We were in different kindergarten classes, of course, um, living on, I, I figured it out that the kindergarten classes were geographic. So we lived on different sides of town. So I didn't know him in kindergarten, but my. You said um, that I, I had, I had never thought about that. I hadn't really either until going through the classes and it, if you, it, and it like Gary, you were morning class, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You were living in Franklin street at that time. <laughs> Brian was afternoon class. He was living on the other side of town. No, so. because I was morning and I, and oh, I, was thinking, I think if that's, if, if, if what you figured out is the way it went, that changed at some point because I rem- okay. remember so it was mixed when you were there. I remember, well, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but I just, so I just really remember the, the conversations of my mom like deciding. So I okay. feel like that switched at some point because I was but definitely yes. morning. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I remember that summer of summer of 79, my, my, we were looking at the yearbook and my dad was showing me these kids in the afternoon class. I get to know at seed school. And he was telling me about this kid named Brandon that he had, he showed me his picture there and about this genius that was coming into first grade with me about (laughs) that. He had, I mean, the word had already gotten out that we've got this genius coming into first grade. Um, and so I remember that, that and then getting to know Brandon, like on those first few days of school and we, we bonded over baseball statistics right at the beginning of the school year, like finding another kid that was like into like baseball stats was, was awesome as, as a six-year-old. Um, so yeah, that started off in first grade there and and Brandon and I became very close friends all throughout elementary school and into junior high and so on. Um and as Brian said earlier in the podcast, we'll we'll do a whole Brandon episode at, at some point. So we won't give away too many of my stories right now. But we and then would go on through and develop many other, you know, friendships. Jason Williams, I was with him through most of elementary school. Um, Mrs. Henry in second grade, Mrs. Robin Dixon, Richard's wife, was my third grade teacher. And then Maggie Dixon, Dennis's wife, was my fourth grade teacher. So those who, were the years at seed school. Who was at kindergarten when you were there? Uh, Miss Marie, Marie Davis. Davis was okay. my kin- so probably and the same, same teacher Gary had, would have had for kindergarten. Chip, one of your earliest dimensions in the daily record was actually for Mrs. Paddock's class. Okay. And you guys took out a loan for $5. The class yes. did to sell popcorn to the rest of the school. So that was one of your early mentions. And yeah, I remember <laughs> I remember that clearly. Yeah, we actually got to walk, take a walking field trip down to the bank in Bridgeport, where oh, at that wow. time, oh. <laughs> I remember yeah. when we did that. I don't remember borrowing any money. Yeah, uh, David Paddock was that. He was. I don't know if he was the president of the bank at that time or what his position was at the bank. But David Paddock, um, Sandy Paddock's husband, was. Um, at, so we met with him. He kind of went over things with us, and he approved our uh, five dollar loan to get the supplies for our pop- popcorn. And we would have sold the popcorn there, kind of um, on the side of the playground near the Goss House. Was where so if you go to that side playground, uh, kind of near the building, we set up our stand and sold popcorn that afternoon 
or um i assume during recess or something but yeah that was i've i've seen that daily i actually still have that picture in a scrapbook myself but uh <laughs> yeah that that was exciting and about that same time you joined pack 251 yes talk to us about because <laughs> i think there's a school picture with you in your pack 251 uniform? Yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah, um, 1980. So we're right in that same area here. Just a few months after the popcorn sale was where uh joined Cub Scouts. And um, it was, I really enjoyed that. It was, so, yeah, it was the second grade school picture I have that, that uniform on. I got to spend more time. A lot of my friends that I, like Corey was not in Cub Scouts. Brandon was not in Cub Scouts. So I spent a lot of time with some other friends like like Brian Fuller. The Fullers were huge in Cub Scouts. Um, some of the old school remembers his dad was a science teacher at the high school, Owen Fuller. They actually, we didn't even mention them. I mean, they lived right, right. next door to me on Adams Street. So uh, Brian and Chris Fuller. Um, so yeah, I did that for a couple, Cub Scouts for a couple years. I mean, I wasn't a I wasn't like a big time. I wasn't building the fires and all that stuff like a lot of I was a com- completely cut out for it, I guess. I think my interests were sometimes, you know, not where every, like the diehard Cub Scouts were, but I ended up doing that for second, third grade, and a little bit of fourth grade. Where did then, the Fullers live in. on Adams? Right. So we got that, um, that oil well oil, yeah, yeah. right, right next there? to my house, right on the other side of that. So did they move from there down to like main street okay that's yeah, where i picture there, the fullers down on like, yeah right where where the um like ambrose's um yeah. house was there on right across from the church there on okay. uh, main street that, um, it may not have been a completely your thing but i do know in october 81 building. you did receive a silver arrow point okay oh wow that's I'm not sure what you did to earn that but you did <laughs> yeah, silver yeah arrow but we had a book we had different things we had to do we had a day camp we went to in the summer i over like north of vincennes there was a camp we went to um so always enjoyed that but you know you mentioned uh, there about a different diverse group of friends and and that is I, I think something i've always admired about you is the fact that you you f- you fit in with everyone you you you're friends with with people that have no sports interest you're people with you know you can talk you can discuss sports with massive sports fans music your your diversity and i gotta think that comes from your parents then in their their education background and and your if there's one thing that would define chip jamerson in, in very simple terms is your your interest in learning new things yeah, I think that's great. I think that's I think that does come from my parents. I get and that's one of the things I throughout most of my stories today that I'll, I think one theme that you'll see is like I was just you always hear like people that you know surround yourself with with you know, it's about it's all about who you surround yourself with. And I feel like starting with my parents, my parents are awesome, were still are, um, how they you know supportive and then getting me involved in different things and and also not like forcing me into things and never force me that you have to do this or have to do that. Um, so, um, just outstanding parents that, um, got me involved in those things. And then we, the neighborhood, all those kids, I grew up in the neighborhood and the friends that I've mentioned all, you know, I just feel like I've had an amazing, uh, just an amazing life and experiences. And it's all about, it all starts here in Bridgeport with these people we're talking about the teacher. I mentioned some teachers already. I had great teachers at Red Hill, um, the coaches, which we'll get into a little bit more later, great coaches. And then 
so many good friends and, and you three are like right at the top of that list of well, the great friends I've had. When we talk about the early eighties and things like that, I, you know, one of the things is Sumner T-ball was something that yeah you got a part of. And, and cause you know, we didn't, I don't think we had that opportunity I, in Bridgeport. I think, then. I think it started right after that. Now I, we had I played minor, one year of T-ball in Bridgeport. I don't think we had necessarily T-ball. We had, when I was there, we had minor league, but it was, it was pitch. I mean, you still pitched the ball. It wasn't T-ball. And I think that's why you went to Sumner because they had T-ball, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of Bridgeport kids like the Rays, the Rays played there at Sumner also, and you'd have other uh, Bridgeport kids there, but yeah, I played three years at the Sumner T-ball loved loved that. It was a great league, well-organized and um, you were on the pirates. Is that right? Oh yeah, I, I was eventually on the Pirates. Yes, I started off on the Oakland Athletics. Oh wow, I missed year. your I missed your Oakland years. <laughs> yeah. um, I was with Corey and I were on the A's um, with um, I believe uh, nineteen ninety grad Dave Hobbs was one of our uh, stalwarts hey, on that. Jeez, um, Brian, um, thank you to our head coach, uh, the late Larry Judy. Brian's dad was our was our coach, and I think Brian Karowski helped out a little bit on that team as an assistant coach. So, um, oh, and, a, and, and a Cessna. I think there, it wasn't Delvin and Kelvin. So I know Terry, you're listening to this right now. Dana, I think the set. I think there's a. I think there's another brother in there. There is. Yes. Wouldn't it be great if we find out it was actually triplets and the other guy yes. didn't play sports? So I'm pretty sure there was a Cessna boy that was one of our assistants on that team. He was definitely like amazing. Karowski just kind of showed up at times and helped out where he could. But, uh, um, so. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that. I'll have to look at uh, look that up after the show and see who this other Cessna is. <laughs> well, I know I that I wasn't at that point. I wasn't like able to be on a team, so I remember hanging out one time in your bedroom, and your Pittsburgh Pirates hat was like hanging on the bunk beds in the room. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, he's got a Pirates hat. Yes. That was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. So when that was my first year, and then the Pirates. So and then the next two years, I was with the Pirates, and I know Jason Williams was on our team one of those years. I think the Rays were my first year with the Pirates. Corey was on my team again. Uh, Ashley Hessler was a big time Sumner T ball guy. He wasn't on my team. He was on the rival Cardinals, I believe. But I bet uh, he's getting a lot of inside the park home runs with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, and, uh, and if you name big names from Sumner, I mean, if you want to go through the big names, they were probably in that, in that league. So my dad actually coached me that the pirates both years. And I got to name, they had, they had ordered yellow uniforms. So I think my dad gave me the decision do we want to be the Pirates or the Padres? Um, because you had the green Oakland uniforms. You had the red Cardinals and the blue Cubs. We had a fourth team, the yellow team. And so we went with the Pirates, which they did have black numbers. So that's probably why I went more with that. It matched more of the Pirates uniforms than the Padres would have. But And the Pirates were pretty cool back then. So Oh, yeah. I mean, this is Dave Parker, Willie Stargell time back then. So, yeah. And then uh, so my dad, Roy Lancaster, coached us that first year. Then my dad and uh, – Bill Bryan coaches that next year. And I always, I always give Bill a lot of credit for that. Uh, it's Jason and um, Jared's dad, um, who is what, sadly not with us anymore. Um, that Jared would have only been, I remember Jared would hate, Jared was only like three or four years old. And Jason would have been, I was just doing the math recently. He would have been like a newborn at that time. Like when I was and so for Bill Bryan to not be an assistant T-ball coach on a team, 
where none of his kids were playing. I gave him yeah. a lot of credit for kind of the giving back to the community type of thing. And I do know his niece D was on the on our team. D Brian was with us. So I guess he did have that connection. And when uh, you think about him, to me in my head, like he's always like been like 45 years old. He was like in his 20s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and looking at this, you know, on the other sports and things that were obviously very impactful to a lot of us, and wasn't the only time Dave Hobbs was your teammate in Sumner. Yes. Because 1982 Junior Pro Basketball, Dave Hobbs was us. So talk about Junior Pro Basketball, some of those teams and coaches. And these were great, had. man. I love this time. We had so- – Oh, man. <laughs> it was So we had Junior <laughs> Pro so Basketball. Awesome. We'll do a whole Junior Pro episode at some point. But, uh, oh, yeah, add so, that yeah, to the league, list, yeah. So I was on the Bucks with – um. With Bob Hobbs was our head coach. And, and Steve Potts. I was, I was getting ready to say it. Little <laughs> did I know until I look at the old daily records. I forgot Steve Potts was one of our coaches. So, um, so yeah, I remember at Seed School, this would have been when I was in third grade, I believe, that year. Um, I remember like just kind of bragging to people, walking up those steps up to the third grade classrooms at Seed School. I remember bragging to people like, I'm on Dave Hobbs's team. Like this guy, we didn't, he lived in Sumner. No one really knew him that well, but everybody knew he was like the tallest person we'd ever seen in our lives. <laughs> and, that and, and, and that was that was one of the great things back then. Like when you're getting ready to go into the fifth and sixth grade center, like you had looked at the Washington and yes. the Petty yearbooks. Like you knew who you were. You're were right. Exactly. Yeah. I love doing that. Yeah. There were a few that you would have known from junior. So that was that was one of the nice things about junior pro and Sumner T-ball and Little League was that you got to see some of these people that you, that were normally, they kind of came to life from the yearbook Um, Hobbs. Like I said, I had known him, I had known him a little bit from T-ball, but I really thought we would be unstoppable that season with having Hobbs in the middle, but I don't think we were that great. If you looked at uh, Gary, I'm I'm going to name the other, I want to name the other members of the roster of the 1982, but yes, Alan Barry. I don't remember Alan. That's that's Alan Alan Stinger. That's the Stinger. (laughs) Mike Hayes. That how, did a, you, yeah. how did you lose? <laughs> oh, it gets better. Dave Hobbs, of course, we said. Troy Moore. Yeah. John Great athleticism. Fitt, John Fitz. <laughs> and David Seed. Wow. And see, that's the team. I, and you talk team. about that yearbook, Brian. I'm the only seed school person on that team, I think. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that team is all Washington, Petty, and Sumner, and yeah. me. So I got to experience all of these great athletes. I think that's part of the reason why I hyped us so much is you always think people are when they're at like other, you just always assume that like, Oh wow. Like they're like, they're really good. I mean, they're over there at Patty, like playing every day. And and, and those guys all end up, a lot of those guys you mentioned end up being good players for Red Hill, but um, and we played at the high school, right? Was this at the high school? Yeah. yeah. So another thing, when you woke up on Saturday morning, junior pro started at 9am, if I remember right. And the anticipation of waking oh, up on the Saturday mornings. I mean, huh, well, it, it started so Friday awesome. night when you were at the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just hours after you left that. Cause yeah. after you left that game Friday night, I mean, it was a mere hours away until you were tipping it off at eight o'clock the next morning. And I, I, I can remember sitting there watching those games and, you know, weird things that you remember that went through your mind. Like, I can't believe I'm going to be playing on that floor tomorrow morning. And I'll tell you the thing, one of the highlights of Junior Pro was when they would let you play like at halftime of the JV game. They'd bring the Junior Pro teams out there to play like a five-minute scrimmage. Okay. And you're not playing on the <laughs> you're not playing on the side baskets like you are in junior yeah. pro. You're playing full court. That's no, big time. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, play on that court. I mean, 
that Chuck Rousey was just playing on, or you know, Chuck Miller. Or yeah, whatever. I mean, I can, and I can still. Uh, uh, this is weird. I can still because I remember I used to like to go down, like I'd sneak down in that locker room that's behind the scorers table like the visitors yeah. locker room I, uh-huh. I could still smell that <laughs> and oh, i used yeah. to love to walk down there and think like you know last night fairfield was in here or, or yeah whatever. oh yeah i mean you could yeah you could still i mean the sweat from the night before was still lingering yeah. in the air from the from the fairfield <laughs> mules or the aldi tigers yeah well, you know and knowing it, what we know now <laughs> we probably wouldn't have spent much time down in those locker rooms but you know back then it was pretty <laughs> yeah oh yeah then moving on to the next year and you know that for the 82 year you were kind of the, I'd say, the young guy. You probably weren't expected to be the stalwart no, on that team. Just a just a role player. Just had to know my role. But we must fast forward to '83. I think we're going to ask a little bit more on Chip on the '83. <laughs> there team. was a lot asked me of that team. These, I'll get into these. How unfair these rosters are. <laughs> so just moving on to the next year, Chip now gets drafted to the Philadelphia 76ers and coach Doug Andrews. Excellent. Okay. I, another great coach. So we know so, we got some size right off the bat. I will tell or you. do we? Uh-oh. No, we have, <laughs> oh. have the size. <laughs> I know which um, direction we're going. So here's the thing. Before Gary gets into the roster here, I was, so I was born at the very, as Brian mentioned earlier, I was born at the very end of 72, um, December 25th, 1972. And that's where the cutoff was. They didn't do it by grade level. They did it by like what year you were born. So the 72 kids like Corey and Gino, they were all born in 72. <clears throat> they had moved up to the higher level. And, and Brandon when it, Brandon was born in 73, but I'm pretty sure he moved up to the higher level. There was no reason for him to be playing with the little kids anymore. I was actually eligible to move up to the higher level, but I mean, then I'm playing with like Stacy and Lance and those guys. And I, I knew I wasn't ready for that. So since my birthday was just like a week and I wasn't a highly skilled player or anything, I got to stay down with the 73 kids. Like I think probably Scott Piper was probably still playing with us in 73. A lot of my classmates were still, so I still play with a lot of my classmates, but, um, but a lot of my classmates were not on this roster. So let's get into this roster, Gary. So this roster is a little bit different. Than the year before. <laughs> like I said, we have coach Doug Andrews, Doug Andrews got chip. He's got the, he's the, got the four, he's, got a, he's got he's, one fourth. He's the veteran. Team. Yeah. <laughs> we have Eric Andrews. Okay. Okay. Second second grader just started out. <laughs> Chad Ray, second grader. Jason Riggs, second grader. Dusty Petty, a second grader. <laughs> Chancy Roderick, um, second yeah, grader. Second Colin. grader. Yeah. And then Colin Ray, first kindergarten. Kindergarten. <laughs> oh my god! That was your team. Yeah. That and you have to play Stacy. You had to play Stacy. No. Lane? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have been moved up. I would have had to play against those guys. But yeah, I stayed down the lower level. We, yeah, we were. I think you mentioned we were in the seventy sixers. I remember going. Went to, I went to Sports and Spurs and actually got a T shirt, custom made seventy sixers on the front with a two on it for Moses Malone and a big old two on the back. I think it said Chip. I don't think it said Malone or, or Moses <laughs> or anything on the back. But it, I think Smart. I had my name and number two, but. So in reality, the Sixers. Yeah. If you were comparing like Moses Malone comparing to his teammates, that's probably what you looked like compared. To I your- did. Yeah. I mean, I got Colin, <laughs> I got Colin who just finished the He's coming back. You know, kindergarten and then onto the court. So <laughs> we were not good at all. I, I'm not the type of guy. 
My role on a sports team has got to be role player. I mean, do the little things. That's my <laughs> this role. Team, this team, team was looking for you to <laughs> not, score. Not the starting center. And it wasn't like I was playing against Dusty Petty either. I mean, my the competition wasn't that was decent on the other teams. Uh, um, uh, it wasn't chances, Dusty and Colin I was playing against. Chances are you also asked to handle the ball on this team, maybe. There was so little. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, they needed me to do a lot. But I mean, I, of course, you know, Chad Ray was good at that age. And um, yeah. oh, I'm sure of... Eric Anders, the coach's son, some point guard responsibilities landed on on him. But um, do you have some of those other rosters? See, I don't think I don't know. I know Bubba Baker played on a team. Pretty sure Scott Piper played on a team. I think I Jason was Scott, Williams Troy was and Bubba. Okay, I, I gotta think. I gotta think that year that whatever team I was on, and I I can't remember. I was on the Pacers once, and well, look say, it up, Gary. Where's he at? I wanted well, to say, I, 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 oh, you don't have so our teams. Our teams had to had to clash. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We were pretty yeah. Because I've looked at that before. I'm pretty. Yeah. You. This would have been the we year were, you. I would have played against you. We were year. pretty good. I had, I had Jeff. I think we had Jeff Clark and okay. He was, he was, he was our size in the middle. And, and you know, King can shoot free throws. Well, I was, yeah. well, shoot, in the corner, I was the next Chuck Miller. <laughs> you know, McCullough and Havel were on a team. I, think they, yeah. I always associate one of them with the Jazz. I'm pretty sure McCullough might have been on the Jazz. But, um, <laughs> so one thing we know about Chip, and everybody knows that knows Chip, is his, is his amazing memory. So I'm going to put him on the spot here. And we're going to go back to 1980 in the April 3rd Daily Record. And it talks about a seventh birthday party that you attended right down the street at this the Stevenson's April, okay. house. Yes. Who was at that party? And this was uh, April 2nd. That's a Thursday. I'm going to say the birthday party was probably, what, the previous Saturday into March. No, there it was. Yeah. Uh, March 26th. It was a Wednesday party. Uh, really? Who attended <laughs> Doug Stevenson's seventh birthday party? Yeah, Doug definitely has that late March birthday. Doug has been gracious enough. Doug's big into history. I didn't realize Doug was such a, like, he loved this old stuff. Doug loves our podcast, and he'll send me stuff. Doug sent me some birthday pictures and uh, over Facebook. So, oh, okay. Well, this is a bit uh, cheating but here. There's like three different pictures, so I don't know which one. Yeah. There's one that, let's see, this would have been, I don't know if he would have known Eric that well yet. There's one that Eric's picture is in, but I think I'm not going with that one. Corey, Corey Ray was definitely there. Misspelled. Okay. I think it's misspelled, but he is there. Scott Piper. Yep. Uh, Scott and Corey are really the ones that stand out from this one picture. His cousin from Lawrenceville was always if you Andy see like Deloria. A name, yes. <laughs> I was actually going to say I thought her last name was Cole House, but I was getting <laughs> Wait, the two okay. videos. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Holtz and, and the games okay. that were played, the so, winners were Eric Holtz and Chip Jamerson. Okay. So Eric was at that one. Okay. And Gino, yeah. was he at that one? Barney Hughes, Bucky Weiss, Gene Allen, Eric Holtz, okay. and then the Delorias from Lawrenceville. So Okay, yeah. so I was picturing the wrong picture. Yes, I definitely remember the picture with Eric and Gino in it. And so. in my research, it's funny, that birthday party got back-to-back -back years press in the Daily Record. <laughs> well, and if you follow the Bridgeport News throughout all these years, the Stevensons were excellent at submitting information. I mean, you pretty much – and even into the, the 2000s, into the 2000s, 2010, like Patty Stevenson, you would know who she had lunch with that week. Um, she continued <laughs> for the next 30 years to That's just awesome. keep pumping information into the Bridgeport Leader and Daily Record. We're looking for insurance. We hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, 
Get off your seats and on your feet. And see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Hey, if you're looking for Bridgeport-style pizza, there's no better place to go than Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. You know where they're at? Right there across from the Dog Pound in Bridgeport. Dine-in, delivery, drive-through. They've got it all. They're open Tuesday through Sunday, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Of course, the first Friday of every month, they are open for lunch. And the January pizza of the month is the Detroit Coney Dog Pizza. Consists of, they take the crust, add the Coney meat, onions, mozzarella, and cheddar cheese, hot dog chunks, and then call 618-945-3663. That's 945-FOOD. getting into junior pro football talking about some of those coaches and and just starting football for the first time yeah so this was something brand new as it is to most fifth graders because we didn't have flag football or anything like you we played a lot of football in our backyards and side yards we played a lot of football but never i remember we we had our opening meeting was in the girls gym at the high school that's where we went to sign up at and I remember Mike Kurtz gives me this sheet of paper, this packet of like plays, and he's telling me about holes in the three. I'm like, whoa, I have no idea what you're talking about. The three hole and the five hole. And, and it's all intimidating. Like, yeah. When Mike Kurtz is here, here, learn these holes. <laughs> it is intimidating for a, a 10 year old that never played organized football before. But um, so, yeah, but great memories from that. So, Mike Kurtz. Um, was running things back then uh, with the junior pro football. Once again, an example of a guy in the community. There's so many in Bridgeport of these people that gave back to the community that didn't just do it because my kid was there. His kids were out of junior pro. His youngest, well, he had Michelle, who was really young at that time, but all of his other kids were in high school or beyond at that time. So um, his nephew, Brandon, was part of our team. But um so Mike Kurtz, Cubby Wagner, who we mentioned on a lot of podcasts, was, was one of our coaches, Jeff Hawkins, Carl Price. So that's one of the reasons why when we talk about these names in those late 70s, early 80s podcasts, I get a little excited because like um, those, and like Jeff Hawkins, I was really aware of because he played basketball. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I knew him. I, I also didn't know who Carl Price and Cubby Wagner were because I hadn't gone to wrestling meets and football. You don't really know when you're you know five, six years old. You really don't know who's behind that, right. who's underneath the helmet. Yeah. Um, so I really did, didn't had very little knowledge of those guys. I knew Carl's brother, Raymond, but not Carl. But uh, we had to have Jeff Hawkins, who you a few years earlier was out in that Red Hill basketball court. Um, it's one of your coaches. So, yeah, a lot of former Red Hill players. And, and it wasn't, I guess, it, not one of our coaches was a dad. I mean, these were guys that. And there's still people like that today. I mean, that's part of our junior pro football program. You look at who the coaches are. Yeah. They're not having to like say, okay, whose dad can we get to coach this year? It's guys like Kevin Tucker who have been doing it since the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, since have been, they graduated. Been coaching it. And, uh, you know, Cameron Vinsel, big in it. And um, Tyler Tucker. I mean, those guys that just want to give back to Red Hill football. Um, and, and it was the same way – now it is almost 40 years and, ago. And, and, so, yeah, junior pro football gets started. And how many years? So you played fifth grade? Yep. Sixth, sixth grade. grade and seventh grade. And they didn't have it your eighth grade year? My eighth right? grade year, they, um, for I don't know what, I just can't, 
it's just weird to me that we just all of a sudden the numbers were fine the year before. I mean, when I was right, in seventh yeah. grade, I mean, I remember going and watching your fifth and sixth grade. You would play before us and Bobby Stevens up doing these night, these 90 yard touchdown runs. I mean, <laughs> it was thriving. Our numbers were, seemed to be thriving. And then all of a sudden we don't have it in eighth grade. I don't know if like That's at weird. that point, some of the coach, if like Mike Kurtz and some of those key people that we depended on, we're kind of done with it at that point. We didn't have anybody to lead it. I don't know. Well, if someone's listening to this, hopefully it's people in the, that know the answer to that. Come see us on February 11th. Yes. And let's talk about this because, I mean, that was a year that's, you know, like my sixth grade year, your eighth grade, Dave, seventh grade year, there was there was no football that fall for us. And I can't imagine the high school coach at the time, Coach Evans, was probably very – I can't yeah. imagine the high school coach is very happy with that decision not to have a junior program. I'll, really, I'll, go, as, I'll go as far as saying it. Probably set our football program at the high school back. Could have been for sure. Yeah, yeah because if you know, look at, at that, least a few years, it killed some momentum. I yeah. mean, because at that point, uh, that great uh, we made state eighty eight. The class of eighty nine guys were freshmen, so this didn't yeah. affect them, yeah. Yeah. but it affected the kids that were right behind them. And if you look at that, that we made state eighty eight team had two juniors, only two juniors that played. It, yeah, maybe only two juniors on the entire team. I mean, Shane Brown, Jesse Meta were like the. I don't know if you guys had any other juniors on your team, Dave. Oh boy, I'd have to look at the picture. All those guys. In I think race. you're right. Yeah, I mean, like the David Seeds went out the next year, but they yeah, didn't Seed, play. Deckard, Brian, Judy, none of them played yeah, that year. You know, they didn't. So yeah, I, think I think David it, makes a great point there. That yeah. really killed the momentum. You have two, where they were two good players, but. Um, right. You kind of want a little more depth in your senior class or your yeah. class of nineteen ninety yeah. than than that. Yeah. So well, it killed you, my momentum a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I I wasn't a great player or anything, but um, I started like in seventh grade or played you know played several. Yeah. I didn't definitely didn't stay on the sidelines and do nothing the entire game. I was out there a lot. So you learned your holes. I did. Yeah, because yeah, I, I was a lineman. <laughs> yeah, so I had to know what these different plays meant and things like that. So, um, yeah, so. I, so I didn't play – I kind of thought my football career was over, that, you know, I'm kind of out of the – I'm out of it now. I love basketball and baseball. We didn't have football. I'm kind of done with it now was kind of my – and, like, I wasn't a huge loss or anything, but there were there were kids, I think, that were big losses yeah. that never went out again. Darby never played in high school. I don't think – he was good in junior pro football. Now, he may have not played anyway because of wrestling and so forth. Right. But, that's a big loss not having him out there. Definitely. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that it, it, with that football and said just being in the sports, and obviously we couldn't have a podcast about Chip Jamerson without talking about the union and Mike Smith and and how Little League Baseball helped shape you. Oh, we haven't that. gotten to Little League yet, have we? I know. I say we, we, we haven't yet, believe, and that's obviously a huge four years of some of you know, sorry, Dave. Some of our lives, but uh, you know, we we spent a lot of time at the Bridgeport Little League Diamond. And uh, talk about the domination of the union. Those are I have such great memories, and I, I know we're we talk about the league some. We'll get into it more later. What a great league! Great friends, great coaches, competition. I mean, everything was was top notch. I just really, I don't think I just say that because I'm biased. I just think we did everything in Bridgeport. I think we did it first class is how we is how everything was done. Um, and, and I don't think I'm the only one that feels that way. I yeah. just, I, every, and yeah, we were kids and we look at things differently back then, but I actually, I feel like, you know, knowing kind of understanding sports and things like that more than I could, if I look at other nine-year-olds now, I, I know I understand sports and the dynamics of it much more than the most nine-year-olds do. Almost all nine-year-olds do. 
as a nine-year-old, I looked at it much like I did in junior pro. It's like, first of all, I was scared to death that I wasn't going to make because you had to do tryouts. I never do tryouts, but that was scary. So I was scared as a nine-year-old, like, how am I good enough to play against these guys? That are, I mean, some of these guys were in, like, Brian's grade that were a year that were late birthdays. Like, Shane Neighbors is still in the league that year. Yeah, and yep. Some of those young kids from Brian's class were still in the league. And... I did not go out for Bridgeport Little League my nine-year-old year. I played that third year with the Pirates. That was the Bill oh, Bryan yeah. nine-year-old year just because I just needed work. I mean, T-ball, you can work on your swing. I can work on, you know, my my fielding and things like that. Like, that's what I need. I didn't need to go sit on the bench and then get a complimentary at one at bat every game um, on, in the in the league if I even made the league. So or, I did or not happen go- to face Shane Neighbors throwing 80 miles an hour from 45 yeah. feet. And those and the, <laughs> It was Tom Tool would have still been playing some big names. Those class of 88 guys would have all been in there. Um, so did not play my nine-year-old year, went out my 10-year-old year. And we tried, it was a spring morning, an, eight, an early April morning, beautiful weather. Went out there and, and the tryouts were very, very official. I mean, it was all, it was like you were at a, you know, one of those tryout camps that people go to at Bush Stadium and things like that. I mean, you were run through different stations and things like that. The clipboards were out. They were writing things down throughout. Uh, I it felt like I had ner- been- again, nerve wracking, nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I have a good tryout. Like I remember I was catching all my pop fly. Once I, we left the outfield, and I was catching all my pop flies. Like I, I, I'm feeling good about this now. Cause a lot of these kids out here can't catch a pop fly. Yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good, but still until you get that call, I remember we're eating dinner there on Adams Street. We had that island bar in our kitchen. And I'm sitting there in my normal seat at the bar, eating whatever we were having on that Saturday night for dinner. We had a phone right there by our back door. The phone rings. Ring, ring. Oh, boy. I think my mom answers it. And there's a a gentleman on the other line and (laughs) asked to speak to me. Oh, Oh god. This could be good news or bad. News. This is like I mean, the, it's like the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so I pick up the phone. It could be the league president um and letting me know that, you know, thank you for trying out. We hey, appreciate head back to Sumner. Another year yes, of T ball. Play, play another year of Sumner or see if they can get you in their Bronco league yeah. over there. Um so I pick up the phone and it's Mike Smith. Now, Mike Smith, one of those people I talk about. I kind of I wanted this to be a theme of the people you surround yourselves with. That so he was one of the names I wrote down. Um, Mike is Brandon's dad. Who Brandon was my, was my best friend at that time, and um, so it's exciting that Mike's calling me. I, I, and then you know, Brandon's you our, think you know what's happening at this? I point. think I'm yeah, starting. I'm feeling right. pretty good because I did catch those pop flies, so I'm feeling pretty yeah, good. Right. Mike saw me do that. Um, and this is, a, I would love to be on Brandon's team. Like I, I'll be on any team, but that's even a bonus. That's if I get a Brandon's team. Heck yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so Mike offers me a spot on the uh, union, uh, says he's excited to have me on the team. So that was just, that was when I've gotten some jobs in my life where you like, you never forget that phone call. They're like great moments in my life. And that's definitely one of those phone calls when those great phone calls I've ever had top, definitely top three or four calls I've ever received. Um, so yeah, I joined the union. So now in a roundabout way, get into your question about the dominance of the union. So I, they were not great the year before. I think they were at, they were not a league championship caliber team the year before. I'd have to look up their, their record, but they're a young team. Gino and Brandon were, had been recruited as nine-year-olds. Um, 
Lance was going into his 12-year-old year. Neil Padgett, 12-year-old year. Uh, James Perrin, 12-year-old year. Um, and uh, Steve Wagner. Steve yeah. Wagner's new to the union. So here's our recruiting class that year. We had some young kids, too, like I'm sure like Doug Gentry and Matt Schrader. We must have graduated a lot from that team before because I joined that team with Schrader, uh, Putney, uh, Doug Gentry. So a lot of King's friends at Washington School. King was too young to go up for Little League that year, so he did not uh, had not gone out yet. Um, but we also – and we brought in – I was a 10-year-old, but we also brought in this 10-year-old Darby Wagner. Who knows who Darby Wagner is? Just He just moved. He's a move-in. He used to go to Lawrenceville, moved into Petty. But um, Mike somebody Smith knew about Darby yeah. Wagner, and that was Mike Smith. Yeah. And Mike <laughs> Smith made sure – okay, Jim Allen um, – you don't have to coach this year. If you, I don't know how I'm making this up. <laughs> Jim <laughs> Allen was the coach the year before when they got Gino and Brandon on the team. Jim has left the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, we know how this Mike works. has brought in um, this Wagner guy from Lawrenceville, uh, uh-huh. Dick Wagner, to uh, help out. So we automatically got Darby on our team. That had to a- be, if there were <laughs> arguments and controversies back then, which we wouldn't have heard about them back then like we would as you're an adult, that had to be a source of, of controversy, <laughs> this revolving uh, <laughs> assistant coaches thing so you get the kid. Well, so, um, so, yeah, so we automatically got Darby on our team, which was huge. I mean, we never would have had the success we had. I mean, he was a big part. He's always kind of third name mentioned, it seems like, on those union teams, but he was a major yeah. part of it. And um, setting the table for the big guys. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then Steve Wagner had never played Bridgeport Lily before. So we got 12 year old Steve Wagner on our Jeez. team. Um, so we actually Loaded. did not win the league that year, my 10 year old year, though the bank won the league. That was, that would have been uh, Jimmy Worth and Stacey Moore's 12 uh, year old year. Uh, so they were, we had some good battles, but I think they probably swept us in the season series. Um, so, um, but then my 11 and 12 year old year, that's where we, that's where Brandon becomes a, a, a good little league player as a 10 year old to an absolute superstar as an 11 and 12 year old. So, and I ma- named a lot of those guys on that, that team, um, Danny land was already on the team. So Danny land, uh, Brandon, Gino Darby. Um, and then we did it without even bringing it. We didn't, the next year we added, um, or I guess it would have been, I don't know which way. We, we actually brought in Rodney Roderick with that team too. Oh, and uh, we didn't have to bring in Floyd as a head coach. We <laughs> somehow we just got yeah. him in the draft. I, was that the same year you went that out? Was, when, that was, his, yeah, that's <laughs> the year that the, what was it? The moose contracted. Yeah. Okay. And so all the moose players got distributed out. So. When I went out, only three kids made it. Rodney was one of them. Yeah, that was my 12-year-old year then. Yeah. So my 12-year-old year was when – Rodney – I think Rodney, McCullough, and Havel, I think, were the only – Okay. The only three that made it. Then so, yeah. Was- so those were great. I mean, we so we won, we won the championship 11, 12-year-old we, year. I mean, because I mean, we had the best player in Little League history. So we really <laughs> – we should have won the championship, and we did. But, yeah, just – I mean, we took it seriously. I mean, we, we practiced a lot. I played second base, like, every inning my 11- and 12-year-old year. And um, just – I mean, Mike Smith hit me thousands and thousands and thousands of ground balls over – it seemed like thousands. I mean, he worked with me a lot um, to help me because, you know, 
an infielder is an important, if you're going to try to win championships, that's an important piece on the team. So I give him a lot of credit for helping me as a baseball player. I, I would say probably that 1985 union team is probably the greatest little league baseball team, at least Lawrence County history. Well, I think there's a Grismer family that could talk, <laughs> that could make a decent argument about the, one of the couple of those Legion teams. But you know, in little league baseball, you can get by on like a three man rotation. Is because yep. you play twice a week, right? Maybe even yep. two man rotation. If you're throwing out Brandon once a week, and then you're going probably Gene the other time, or then Darby. I know Darby pitched yep. against us, and everybody that faced Darby was scared to death because he didn't know where the ball was going when he <laughs> and he had the craziest <laughs> he had like, that, one marriage. Yeah, ball. that that <laughs> yes, wind up. I was and, just gonna, I was gonna say that same thing. I remember like the first time seeing him pitch. I'm like, what in the world is that? <laughs> and, and he threw hard, and you didn't know where it was going, so that was scary anyway. But man, that team and that team made me cry my nine year old year. When I gave up back to back to back homers to Gene Brandon, and I don't know who the thir- the third homer would have been, but um, I'm on the on the mound crying as I've given up my third homer in a row, and you know, for I guess my coach Glenn Grismer and Bob Shear to throw the nine year old against the Union probably wasn't the uh, maybe the best decision in the world for a young kid, but no, maybe it may be tougher and better down the road. But uh, what man, what a team that was! So yeah, those those were great memories in, in the the league, the Moose, the Legion, the Lions, the Union, the Bank. I mean, just those names are just you just hear those names and uh, you just think greatness when you hear those and, and good times, good memories from that. When you moved to to the junior high over in Sumner, what's your what's your initial thoughts when you think about that school? Initial thoughts on the school. It was very exciting. It was a little. It was a big step. I'm I'm, I'm leaving Bridgeport. So, um, having to leave to go to Sumner first time on a bus. So we got to, I, of course, field trips and things like that, but in basketball games, but first time going to school on a bus. So we would meet there at the fifth and sixth grade center. We'd sit on the other side of the gym where the fifth and sixth graders and kindergartners weren't sitting, wait for our bus out there at the bus lane there off state street. And so that was exciting to ride a bus for the first time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're early thoughts, but just, as we mentioned on like the teacher episode, just so many great teachers at that school. And, and of course the, we've discussed, if you want to go back to our Red Hill junior, where we take a tour through Red Hill junior high in our minds that we recorded <laughs> last March, um, just a very unique building. Some of it was new. Some of it was old. You had two different schools connected with each other. You had the, the Sumner attendance there connected with Red Hill junior high. So, so yeah, that, and then, so the teachers, of course, the friends, and then the sports being, being involved in the sports there were what you think about of course i got i could probably go through every class i had and think of funny stories or things from those teachers but uh so yeah just a new start getting to switch classes for the first time that was exciting not sitting in the same room all day long um other than switching to mrs Irway's class for reading class at sixth grade but otherwise we were um in the same so yeah that's some of my early thoughts there i hadn't thought about that and I don't think we talked about that when we discussed the junior high. I forgot that you met at the fifth and sixth grade center. And then like how many people were jammed in underneath that <laughs> canopy out there on the state street side waiting okay. on that bus. Oh yeah. I mean, it seemed like the bus was packed and then, uh, I got to give credit to junior man. Uh, junior was our bus driver. Um, I think he, he ran that trip to Sumner for many years. Um, and then my mom taught the Sumner Attendance Center at that time. So there were times I would ride with her. Uh, and I even like in the eighth grade, I kind of got to where I was riding with her more than riding the bus. But yeah. those early days of riding the bus were yeah. um, 
Yeah. I think, you know, talk about sports during those years and we talked about football already, but you're, you know, you're on the basketball team for those couple years and, you know, that, that, that teams, those teams were loaded that Corey hadn't moved quite yet. And what, what year did Jason Williams move? He was, he Jason was moved after fourth guy. grade. So he was already, yeah. yeah so he was on those teams, but you know, you, you got, uh, got to watch some of the, some of those kids, kids start coming into, into their own. And it was a big, I think you had, you carried 15 kids on the roster yeah. uh, back then. So Mike Thomas, Richard Dixon, junior high basketball, brief thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and in the Richard Dixon episode, we kind of get into that a little bit, get into the, those seasons. But, yeah, we were a, a dominant team, um, and, and I've never been one to um, think I'm I'm better than – like, I, I I have no athletic ability. I just – I love – and I never – and the thing is, at small schools, you can have no athletic ability, but if you, like, work hard at it, you can make yourself serviceable, like, where there's a role for you. I never honestly worked at it either. Um, I'm more <laughs> just um, – yeah, I I feel like I could except um, for ground balls. Yeah, I did work with that, but like on my like without a coat, like that somebody like making me do it. Um, so, but I was I was always one that loved being a part of the team. I loved being with my friends. I loved the competition, whether I was out on the court or not. It didn't matter. I never like sulked over lack of playing time or anything like that. There were probably um, times you were you were just fine with it. Yeah, I mean, especially those, uh, every once in a while there'd be a close game, and that's I think I talked about in the Dixon episode, but that was so scary. I was kind of the nine man was where I was. I always wanted to make sure I was not like the twelve. I knew I wasn't going to be one of the better players. I as long as I could stay like at the top of the pack of the kids that weren't playing a lot. I always tried to stay at the top of that pack so I wouldn't get cut or anything like that. I always kind of wanted to yeah stay there. So I was like the nine guy, but we had like an eight man rotation, and what was we had three three guys sick that night we played down at mount carmel in seventh grade and so i moved up to the six man that night against a good mount carmel team and <laughs> i was scared that night because that was a nail biter we ended up with chad andrews hit a free throw with like no time remaining to win the game for us um but i did not get in the game that night so i i dodged it we did not <laughs> sub it all that night we beat mount carmel by a point or two um and uh, great. we didn't have Brandon that night. Brandon was one of them that was sick that night. So a lot of people stepped up. But, well, that had to but, be for that Mount Carmel coach to find out that Brandon's not there and they're at their two yeah. other players yeah, down. Mike Hayes wasn't there. Matt Gentry weren't there. So they wow. were people in our eight man rotation. Wow. And those so. are, yeah, what's, what's the, you know, Mount Carmel, we always had our things with Mount Carmel, but talk about basketball dominance over a team and during those during those years in the late 80s and 90s just destroyed oh, uh, Carl. yeah from and they had a good class like they had yeah brian fox and um tad ackerman was a tad year behind ackerman. us but that but, but fox's class was good never beat us from seventh grade through 12th grade and, and like we like in this one andrews beat him at the buzzer brandon hit a buzzer beater against him mm-hmm. in the freshman tournament um, and we had, uh, we had the Stacy and Clifford game where some of those kids would have been involved in that night down about our sophomore year, um, where we beat them at the buzzer. We won that JV game when Ronnie Cullis and Eric Holtz went crazy on them. We came back from like 20 down and won that game. That's like awesome. they, like those guys in the class of 91 never lost to Mount Carmel. And, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. The dominance they had. Let's go to January of 1986. Okay. Okay. January of 86, you're from a class of some scholars, some very, very, I mean, you had some, you talked to Buchanan, Brandon, Gene. I mean, there was a lot of smart people in that class of 91. 
Yeah. Chip Jamerson wins the Redfield Junior High Spelling Bee. That was How, a big you, moment. What are your, what's your remembrance of going into that spelling bee? Your your thoughts okay. on how you felt loved, going into it? I loved spelling bees, first of all. Like I like that was my kind of my thing. I was not Matt Shear or David Freeman, but I was pretty good. I mean, those two are like the greatest. Those are the ones you kind of are you hold up on a pedestal. Gold those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was not those guys, but here you guys talked about my memory and stuff like this. That's why I was good. I have a good memory. And my dad and I, this is something I did work out. Like we would drill it. I mean, we would sit there every night and we would drill spelling words until I had them all memorized. Um, I mentioned the story in our episode. Uh, one of them we did like a, a year and a half ago or so where I lost the fourth grade spelling bee and kicked the chair and stuff. <laughs> I, I, uh, cause I thought I had, the, I thought Great I was going to win that. Yeah. I didn't think I would. Um, Brandon ended up winning, which isn't a surprise. He's very smart and has a very good memory too. Um, but um, that was disappointing to lose that one. We had one like in fifth and sixth grade that I was like top five, but didn't win it once again. So we get to seventh grade and okay. Cause this is, I mean, for a person that reads the daily record, like I do, I knew this was big time. I mean, this gets coverage in the paper. Yeah. This yeah. Oh, it, it, oh, it does. The paper. I'm looking at uh, it in 2023 about- <laughs> on my computer screen right now. <laughs> we talked about um, Brian, he is one that had that had performed well at the Red Hill Junior High Spelling Bees. Okay, so I get there. One good thing, not many. It was a seventh and eighth grade combined, so it's the whole school. I will tell you, a lot of the top scholars you mentioned did not go out for it. Like, I don't think Brandon was in it. We don't I need think, to know that. Yeah. I, I want to be honest here. <laughs> All right. um, I don't. Think, I think I, you just squashed them so bad with your preparation, <laughs> they were scared. That's what I like. Think. Ma- like eighth grade, I don't know that Mandy Cunningham was in it or anything like that. She may. I don't think she was. So you thought some of those people were not in it, but there was. But still, I well, mean, here's who. Words, here's right? who was in it. I'm just let's just quit okay. beating around the bush. <laughs> Tony Weston, <laughs> Troy Moore, Barney Hughes, Angie Hardacre, Robin Roderick. Kathy Starkey, Maria Preston, and Jackie Limeron. I mean, there's some brains in there. Are those the ones that advanced, or is that the whole spell? That or that's just this? Or do you have the? Those whole are the roster? ones that advanced to the Lawrence County Spelling Bee. So there were okay. more. Are you in '86? What year are you in? '86. '86. Because I, I know you defeated April Davis. As yeah. Defeated. And here was the thing. It was. Um, oh yeah, that was the others. Yeah, April Davis too. Right. Yeah, I knew. I knew April was second, and I think it was all the rest were seventh graders that made the top ten. There, I'm Says, pretty sure it was all seventh graders. There was, was 38 eight. students total that participated in the contest. So I still had to beat 37 others. So, yes. but yeah, April and I were kind of in a spell off for a few rounds. Where it was the two of us, and it got kind of intense in that gym. And <laughs> I was watching the crowd. There were some people in that crowd, and this, I don't know what, but I kind of got part of the crowd on my side a little bit. They were bit. picking I mean, sides at this point. They were picking <laughs> sides. And it was some people like from the class of 90 that I would not expect. I figured they would all be going toward April Davis and people I didn't even know that well. And I saw some fist pumps and things like Ooh. that. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got this crowd, the palm of my hand now. Um, I, I got to finish the deal now. Like I can't lose this at this point. Now, the good thing is the whole top 10 advances to the County B. So I was already guaranteed a spot in the County B, right, but right. of course you want to win the whole thing. Um, of course. Yeah, and I know. I, I'm sure you got the word in there. I think Bib. Oh, I've got two words. words. <laughs> Don't we, Gary? I know Bib was the harder of the two, which I didn't know what that was until today. I just so looked it up. 
Temporary yeah, camp without <laughs> tents or shelter. Okay. I didn't how know. do we how do we spell that, Chip? I, I think I, re- I think I remember I think I remember studying that word. B I V O U A C. That's right. That's and then you were yeah. throwing a little uh, softball with empathy to win it. Yeah. Yeah, empathy was a nice yeah, empathy that's a great <laughs> moment when you're in a spelling bee and you see it on the net if you watch a national spelling bee when they get that final one they know it's one that they know it's like so just don't screw it up don't I mean, mess it up what, what was the what was the one word that you dreaded getting gosh like, i don't remember no I, no words i dreaded I, there, was, there was one uh anonymonopia or something like that oh yeah. I, was always, yeah I was always scared i'd get that and i remember freeman got it and freeman just crushed it. isn't yeah. onomatopoeia isn't that a word like, that, there's, no, there's no way i'm meeting this kid isn't that a word that sounds like it's yeah like boom or something like yeah, that right yeah. how like words they use in batman so um, you won 25 bucks yeah wow from American Savings Bank of Sumner, yeah. is that which is probably now People's State like, Bank. Yeah. What would that be today? Like Twenty five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you advanced to the county B, and I'm sure there were some nerves going into the county B. Oh my, yes. And uh, unfortunately, you, you didn't get out of that one. Allison Diggs was your champ. Oh, come uh, on, Allison so, Diggs, but, a sixth sixth grader at Parkview, won it, and then. Um, Sarah Borden, who was a seventh grader there, was second. It was we hosted that year, so we were on our home court. Um, but you lost yeah, a home a, game. Come on, <laughs> yes, yeah. Lawrenceville took first and second place. Um, so did okay. I wasn't. I think I got like tenth or eleventh. So it wasn't even anywhere near the top, but um, upper half. So, but it was exciting. Then eighth grade. I don't know. Um, oh, King has done the math. It'd be sixty-eight dollars today. Is the math that? <laughs> Um, in uh, April, so that means April Davis's ten dollars second place check is worth about twenty four, roughly. Yeah, right. First place money. <laughs> um, so, and then the and I the eighth grade year, I didn't even get out of the top ten. I think I went in. I think I was too confident. I didn't Got study big as head. hard in, in eighth grade. I um, didn't make the top ten, so didn't advance to the county. I probably wouldn't have won anyway because that's where Freeman comes into play is oh, the next shoot. year. I, I mean, no one was going to beat him, but and that's and probably what you did to contend with in the county if you would have got out of the first one. So yeah, so we'll have to look look out. I mean, and of course Freeman, I guess would have Fre- did Freeman I, make it all the I, way to Evansville? Actually, both Freeman uh, Waller you know, was always uh, Rob Waller was always the one to won. Freeman didn't win <laughs> until oh he, he won the county. He won the county. He never won the school one. Oh, so he would just kind of hold back. He was always second place. <laughs> he knew and just but, enough to get to the county B and then, then just but take then he off. Won the, then he won the county. Then he finished third to Tri-State Spelling Bee and almost went yeah. to the National Spelling Bee. <laughs> yeah, Waller was, Waller was very good at all those yeah. at any academic event as well. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I didn't even make it out in the age. Did you make it to the top ten in, when you were in seventh grade, Dave? Uh, Made it to the county B one year. Okay, was, so one of those years you made it. I think so. it was. I think it was my eighth grade year, though. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and if you like listening to Spelling Bee's Matt, uh, Matt Shear had some really great Spelling Bee stories to share on his his episode that he did. Um, Freeman was good, but Matt won them all. Matt didn't let Rob Walder yeah, win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matt won every level everywhere. Yeah. So, well. I, and I think at that point, I mean, junior high was obviously a special time to to a lot of us. And moving moving on into high school, and um, you know, some we didn't of your high school yet. I know it's when I <laughs> we high school yet. We didn't talk about Babe Ruth League, but yeah, go on with the high school. Oh, I forgot about Babe. Yeah, I mean, you got the Bridgeport no, Bulldogs. We don't have to. <laughs> but, 
you know, obviously- my one point I was going to make for Babe Ruth League was that um, the great thing is um, I never had to play against Brandon, very except for junior pro basketball, never had to play against Brandon in any sport. I was always on his team, football, baseball, basketball, because he's on my Babe Ruth team as well, high school. Uh, just those junior couple years in junior pro, never had to face him, so... That was that was nice. Um, a quick update from the 1987 <laughs> spelling bee. Looks like Joe Chelsvig and Allison Diggs finished first and second. Okay, so then the next year was when Freeman would have made his run. So, so Diggs, Diggs is strong. I mean, you got it wasn't a fluke then that she won the year no, before. You worked at it. Moderator Brenda Frohawk. Mm, yeah, of course. So all right, so on to the high school questions you were getting to. Yeah, Gary. I mean, just to, you know, obviously, the high school was a special time. We all we all loved our high school years. I think that's when that's when Chip and I had already been pretty good friends, and then Chip and Dave became friends, and then three of us started running around a lot together and going to a lot of the games. But you know, talk about I me. Mean, one of the most memorable things I think maybe of your freshman year was that freshman NEC basketball tournament that was so awesome that you got to be a part of, and and uh, obviously obviously we're there, but you know. Scholastic Bowl was a very important part of of your high school career that ended up being, um, you know, you were the you chose not to play baseball, but you became the baseball statistician. It was a part of a regional championship team in '91, and then you decided to play football. Um, I would definitely want to talk about football a little bit and how you know the reasons why you chose not to play okay. and then why you why you decided. Yeah, to come so out. so my high school, so I played basketball my freshman sophomore year, so I got to play. Fred Kendall was our freshman coach that year, and the next year he'd become the varsity coach. So uh, we were undefeated that freshman season. We had the full roster there, all the guys we've mentioned. Um, uh, Corey had moved, but we had uh, Brandon and Eric and Gino and uh, Mike Hayes and Chad Andrews and all those guys, plus all the substitutes. And we had a pretty 12 or 13 guys in the freshman class that played. Um, So had that undefeated year. We had T-shirts printed. That set had a assembly hall on the back of them, the University of Illinois' home court, uh, where the state tournament was played with "Dreams Can Come True" um, on those t- greatest T-shirt ever. Oh, wow. And with our thirteen red hills ballsy Slickies. T-shirt, today. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> thirteen and zero on the front. Um, so um, I, I can't believe I still don't have that. It's I don't think it's anywhere. I can't believe I'm we don't I don't have it anymore. Um, but. Um, so played my fresh freshman sophomore year. Uh, got to dress JV my sophomore year, which was awesome. Um, didn't get in a lot, but just being a part of those uh, of that great. I mean, at that time, probably the you know definitely the best Red Hill team we've had since like the Mark McAdow days. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, this would have been the the class of '89, their senior year. So got to play JV. So I was with you know every bus ride with those guys, every practice with with Lance and Stacy and Clifford and Mark and those guys at every practice at on every bus ride. So really part of the team. I remember when they beat Flora on that Friday night and we clinched a tie for the NEC title, which NEC titles are hard to get. And yeah. to win an NEC title was just massive for Red Hill basketball. And then um coach uh, Kendall had all of us JV players that were not dressed for the varsity. He let us all come down to the locker room, uh, brought us down from those bleachers and uh, oh, wow. went in through the weight room and into the locker room. And to be part of that celebration, I mean, that was just a, a great, as a Red Hill fan, a Red, if you, if you listen, and with, I think with most, like Red Hill basketball is like my main thing. It was the main thing that um, 
now is raised on was Red Hill basketball. So to kind of be with those guys, played through my sophomore year, um, started doing the math and the numbers, and and I knew I was never going to be someone that um, at that point, you know, by your sophomore year, that you're never going to be a contributor on the varsity. And by that time, you got the kids coming to the classes behind you that you know, um, if you're smart enough, some kids at that age aren't smart enough to realize they automatically think that they're better than the kids younger than them. But if you understand sports like we do, you can you can like look at it and see where your spot is. Yeah. And um, I think I was I I I can just say with the coaches that they um, I had a good enough relationship with the coaches that I probably would have gotten a varsity uniform and sat the bench and maybe got in a few times over the year, but. Um, I don't know. It, it was it was a lot of work to put in, and I wasn't what you know. And I just I didn't want to get like a, a charity uniform or anything like that, just because of the time I put in. So I gave up basketball. You know, became a big fan those last two years. Um, I wish if I could. Go, now I had some great times going to those games with like Gary and David. I wish looking back, things I wish I would have done differently. I wish I would have been like a manager. Um, so I could have still been with those guys. You would have been a great ma- high school man. I would have been. Yeah. So it. And that's why I did a baseball. Um, it, I did play baseball my freshman, sophomore year too. So playing the fresh soft team. And once again, getting to be with all those great athletes that my age and a couple years older than me was a great experience. Um, didn't play baseball for my sophomore year. I had really, I had kind of checked out, honestly, on baseball. I, that's, I, I had finished my, my Babe Ruth career was over. So after Babe Ruth, my 15 year old year, I was kind of done kind with of baseball. Done. Basketball was one like I still loved it, but baseball I was kind of sick of it. Um, once they started, once the curveballs were prevalent, um, <laughs> I was done then. So, um, and I just, I just, I mentally wasn't into it anymore. So, not wasn't a huge deal for me to get out of baseball. That wasn't one that was like a hard decision. Football, as we saw, as I talked about, I did not play my freshman sophomore year. I had lost the interest in it. Um, basketball was still my my passion um so i would just use that to, you know i wasn't like going in doing individual workouts and things like that but the ones that didn't play football in pe because i was in the eighth hour pe class we did go to do, go through basketball workouts and things like that with um coach chapel and um coach kindle that whoever was you know coach kindle would have been the one in there running us through workouts but so i was kind of like basketball was my thing but but then so the odd thing is I drop out of basketball and baseball, but then pick up football my junior year. So it really had no, didn't think I was going to play football. But I, and I kind of think, I don't know when I made that decision, but as, as I was looking through some artifacts recently, you know, within the past couple of years, I found in my Red Hill football folder of information, a letter from like July of 1989 from Bob Bagby. And he had sent to every boy in the school. It wasn't like it was an individual letter. It was a form right. letter. Yeah. But still, um, I think I got that letter. And he talked about how we need to, we need everybody out. It was a very wow. so you know how Coach Bagby is a very motivational. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was kind of like, well, I'm not I'm not going to play basketball and baseball this year. I enjoyed football when I played. I love that we made state eighty eight team the year before. So there's like football fever going yeah. on. Um, you know, might as well do something. So with no, you know, I was small and slow and. No, you know, no, no false was it false pretenses they say of like yeah, being, a, yeah. being a star or anything, yeah. just be yeah. part of the team, give me right. something to do. And um, so when I and love, I mean, two 
I'm so glad I did. Um, just two, we weren't, we weren't very good. We we've talked about those teams a lot. We were one in 17 those two years, but, um, it was great. I Fun times, though. I grew closer with David. Uh, if I hadn't gone out for football, yeah. uh, David and I would not be sitting here talking on this podcast yep. right now. So Probably. it's those things, those decisions you make in life kind of lead to everything else happening in your life. Um, I was close with Gary already, but it definitely strengthened just being with oh, him yeah. in football every day. So I, I um, had a two-block walk to practice, but you picked me up every day to go to practice. Yes. So, so um well, yeah, played football. Then Coach Evans came back, as you can hear on the 9091 podcast, came back my senior year. And um, yeah, so finished. And then you talked about Scholastic Bowl. Well, hold uh, on oh, now. I'll stop. Okay. Well, hold on now, because I, I do want to talk briefly about um, October 20th, 1989. Oh, what a memorable night. <laughs> <laughs> you did mention the you let, you lead Red Hill to the. Uh... <laughs> To their one and that one in 17. Yes. <laughs> so you, you did mention one in 17, but on that one, and that was October 20th of 89, the bus ride. And because leading up to that week, neither nor you or I knew what was happening, going to happen on that Friday night. Yeah. So talk about yeah. your bus trip to, to Oblong on October 20th of 89. Yeah. So we're 0 and 7. A lot of our seniors, because we did have some more seniors go out that year that didn't play. It still amazes me we only had two juniors on that team in 88. But uh, um, we had some more seniors go out who were uh, some bigger guys, and they were alignment. I was lined. I played some, and it's just uh, – but wasn't uh, – most games didn't start and didn't see that. But other than special teams, didn't see the field that much. Um, but we had, had some kids that had mispracticed that week, and they were lined, and they were the guys in front of me on the depth chart. Um, and we're 0-7. This is our one chance for a win. Well, Lawrenceville, I guess, would be a kind of a chance, but this is our chance here for a, for that first win of the year. And I find out on that bus ride or in the parking lot, I think in the parking lot as we're getting ready to get on the bus, that Coach Bagby and our, our line coach, Jerry Worth, uh, they want me to start that night. I was a backup guard, um, usually on where your smaller linemen played. I was only about 145, 150 pounds at this time. So they finally decided they want to win a game. Right. <laughs> so they tell me that I'm going to start that night and not just a guard where I practice every night, every, where I practice every night for the past nine and a half weeks. <laughs> tackle. Left tackle. At Switching. That. Not only, <laughs> not only starting. Side. <laughs> <laughs> not only starting, but you're switching positions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, brand new position I had never practiced before. So, so the bus ride there, I sit with Jerry Worth. Um, don't know if Jerry still dips today, but I know on the trip there, Jerry had a had papers, and I held his little spit cup uh, because he was di he had all of his diagrams where he needed both hands to diagram yeah. these well, of holes and so forth. That I learned years earlier. Um, just tell me some, these are the basic plays we're going to run. This is your responsibilities on these different plays. So <laughs> I, I learned how to play left tackle on that trip at the Chansey Blacktop um, that night with Jerry Worth as I held held his cup for him. This should and, be the blindside movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so we go up to Auburn with a 146-pound, 5'6", 146-pound left tackle. <laughs> and now, You're Gary, what you found out something that night. What did you find out in the parking lot that night? I found out on the bus, Coach Bagley came up and handed me the game ball. That's how I, <laughs> I was starting quarterback that night. 
Freshman. No, I had practice. But I had practice, so I had a little bit of preparation. quarterback all year. So, but yeah, we are switching quarterbacks. David Seed was our quarterback. We're going to move him back to running back. We're mixing things up. Coach Bagby, he's found something on film here, I think. Yeah. And, um, and like Brian said, we're going to have Coach Bagby on here pretty soon. And we'll, of course, get into this game on that episode, too. But yeah, so the, the two neighbors there, uh, Gary and Chip, Gary's going to be the quarterback. Chip's going to be the left tackle, and we're going to go up to Oblong, and we won. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, 22 a, to 18 was the yeah, final score. Yeah, yeah, and one of my like favorite it. quotes in the newspaper was that Bob Bagby was said, Chip Jamerson stepped in and did a hell of a job. That was awesome. That man. was the direct quote yeah. in the newspaper. Yeah, to a kid who, like, as I've said, you know, wasn't going to get his name in the paper a lot for athletic things. Like that was just a, that was a big moment for me. He said he said that I think they took that quote from Waco because he said that on Coach's Corner as well. So um, yeah, to have a coach say something like that, and I don't even know if I played a hell of a game. I did, did good you, enough, I guess. Did but, you uh, did you pray every uh, time you broke huddle that the defensive lineman would be lined up? Right directly yeah. across from that would be great. And, and Albong, I think, did that the whole night. They weren't favorite. making any adjustments at all. I had to, it was Tori Potts who was in front of me. Uh, as I say a lot, as I say anytime we talk, I think I held a lot that night, but I don't think I got, I don't think I got called for it. There's holding on every play. Is yeah, every series, but uh, yeah. so, um, my, well, I know is that Red Hill hadn't won a football game since probably October, November of 1988. And that night, in, in uh, October of uh, 89, we broke the streak and pulled out a victory that year. Yeah, th- thanks to Coach Coach Bagby for like like that quote there. I was, I was getting, just doing things to make, make people feel good. I mean, he was a young coach, but knew to do those things and put pe- put things in the media and things like that. He did, he only spent that one year at Red Hill, and he wasn't Coach Evans. And that's what I think that was. And we were coming off a team that went to the yeah. playoffs the year before. but So he never really got a fair shake there, but he knew – a lot of like little coaching buttons to push. He knew he was very good at that yeah. at a young age. Yeah. And, 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 and we're going to talk about this, but for those out there that just absolutely just can't stand his coaching tenure, he went on to some really big, big success. Yeah. I mean, success everywhere he went. Yeah. And he was 25, 26 years yeah. old when he came to Red Hill. I mean, he was yeah. actually himself. So, you know, it's kind of amazing thinking about his age there. So, you know, obviously, you think about high school and maybe even you've been there for all the heartbreaks, for all, many of the heartbreaks. You've been there for the the, the high victories. What 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 stands out? What stands out for you in my high school career? Just uh, like sporting wise, the, the things that stand out. As I I would say, some of the things I've kind of mentioned already. Just finally, after being a fan and sitting in those reserve seats with my dad all those years that, you know, he brought me, you know, he raised me to be a, um, uh, a Red Hill fan. And he was a super fan back in the day. I mean, he, we would travel to all the away games and things like that. Um, to, to go from being a fan and then getting to just be part of Red Hill high school athletics. I mean, that meant it like I didn't, I probably did take it somewhat for granted, but looking back on it now, I mean, getting to practice, with you know on that Red Hill basketball court, uh, with those big names like Lance Smith and Stacy Moore, and um, just in, in the same way you know on the, on the baseball field too, but just getting to be part of it, those those dreams you have as a junior pro player, 
um, when you on that Friday night where it's your turn, you get to go play for five minutes between at halftime of the JV or varsity game. Um, so actually getting to be on that that court that that was a that's a big memory. And then of course, just even more so, probably just like being a fan and getting because as we mentioned before, like that was when. Like I was there, like at the peak of when Red Hill really got going. Yeah, where we made state in '88, those great basketball teams started that went on for the next the Kindle years. I was there when Kindle got hired for the, so that great run started while I was there. Um, so and then of course being there, the girls' basketball was so dominant during my my freshman through junior years were the three years that we only lost to T Town during those years. Um, the cheerleading dominance. We talked about yeah. that. I mean, we were there during that time. So, and I'm sure I can mention other things. Football had its ups and downs, but um, yeah, I think just kind of those are my, just getting to be part of Red Hill athletics and then being there for all those great teams and getting to be a fan of those teams. So then you move on to Eastern Illinois university and uh, what, what stands out? You had a lot of friends around you up there. Yeah, it, I did go to OCC my freshman year. Oh, that's so right. I gotta, yep, give, yep. gotta give the Blue Knights credit. Yep. Uh, so went there my freshman year. Um, I honestly didn't even really, I don't think I really ever, it's one of those things like confidence is a thing that I'm still today, I struggle with a lot. So it's kind of like not wanting to go out for junior pro. You want to play with the younger kids um, where I could have played up with with Brandon, you know, Brandon was with Stacy and Lance and those guys, I could have played up with them, but wanted to play, you know, played an extra year at T-ball. It's like, I've confidence is a big thing that I've, um, that I always still struggle with. So what's he like? I didn't think I, I, I don't have the grades to get into a four-year university. So I didn't even apply to any four-year colleges, um, my right out of high school. So I went to OCC, had a good experience there, commuted there, of course. And it was good. It was kind of, OCC's fun and Gary went to OCC also and Brian went to VU. They can kind of go into those local junior colleges. It's almost just like an extension of high school. High school, right. Like a lot of, yeah. it's like a lot of the same kids that you were with before, plus all these names you saw on the opposing rosters. Yeah. All of a sudden all you're in class with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um so it was fun, but but I was ready at that point. Um you know, Gary was doing his own thing with sport. He had his junior senior year of sport, he had his own big things going on. Like the guys I really hung around with a lot. Uh, David was going to U of I, so he wasn't going to be around anymore. Cause like that freshman year of college was basically like another year of high school. I went to every basketball game with those guys. Uh, Gary didn't play basketball that year. So he was still with this. So I basically had an extra year at Red Hill high school. I felt like, Um, but after that, now things are changing. Now Gary's going out for basketball. David's gone. Other friends have gone off to college. So I decided to go to EIU. Uh, I applied there. I was really only EIU and Murray State. My mom and dad uh, are Murray State alums. They actually met there. Um, so, but the out-of-state tuition was a big difference with the in-state tuition at EIU. So otherwise I would have definitely gone to, I mean, Murray, I was hundred percent, I was going there, but then we financially, it worked out better to go to EIU and it glad it worked out. Yeah. Once again, you, if you would have, if you would have went to Murray State, this podcast may not have, uh, I, I think about that a lot. Like I pro- <laughs> honestly, I probably would have gotten a Kentucky teaching license. I probably would have stayed in stayed Kentucky. Down there, yeah. I would have um, never. Uh, I would have probably never met Brian. Yeah, we would have drifted, yeah. definitely <laughs> drifted apart um, more. But so yeah. I went to EIU and it had a, um, I th- definitely honestly my favorite year at EIU was the year I, I had. Some, I met some new friends so outside of Red Hill, but I was there for one year. And Brian went to EIU for one year while I was there. And he lived with Bob Bowser, 
They lived in a trailer. God, on we had Reynolds, some fun. Reynolds Court or Reynolds Drive, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so getting to have that year up there with while Brian was there was just awesome. Had some great times, and um, and then well, I had a terrible roommate at U of I, so I was you were yeah. You know, I was I was down there every weekend with you guys. Pretty yeah, well. there so, at least in the fall uh, winter of '94. And I think in some ways I didn't really develop as many relationships with Kit. I had a few close friends of like non-Red Hill people, but honestly, I'm Red Hill at heart. I mean, I was my favorite times at EIU were when um, Brian was there, when Dave would come down to visit. I mean, because that's just, I mean, it just takes me back. And that's, those are the people that I mesh that, because like this this talk we're having now, like this is the kind of talk we were having in 1994. This is what we would sit around and talk about. So nobody else gets that, that can can do that. Um, And then my last year at EIU, I was student teaching and uh, my two roommates previously had moved out. Um, They were getting a different apartment, but there was a new friend moving up that I wanted to be roommates with. And I got to roommate with Gary my last year there. So that was awesome as well. I was kind of really not an EIU. I was student teaching, but really I was done with EIU classes at that time. Then I substitute taught while still living with Gary up in Charleston, which was great. I mean, there's a lot of days I didn't substitute teach. It was easier. It was more fun just to sleep in and then hang around with Gary <laughs> and uh, go out to eat, go to McDonald's or McHugh's and eat lunch. And um, so, and then, and then make enough money subbing where I could um, pay for that habit. Um, but but yeah, so EIU is great memories of, of EIU. And uh, I was an elementary education major. So that's what I've been with. You know, it's been in elementary education ever since then. So, um, yeah. And then, anything uh, else? I'm trying to think if there's anything with EIU I need to touch on, but go then ahead. You, then you started your teaching career in Athens, correct? Yes. So I am. Um, I was really like slow about this. Like, so I graduated in December. So that's why I talked about how I had subbed the last part of the year and got to, and I'll tell you, I subbed a lot at Red Hill, not a lot, but I subbed some at Red Hill, um, which, okay. Now this is another dream come true. And this is like playing on the basketball. This is like dressing for JV against Flora on a Friday night uh, in a packed house. So uh, getting to actually sub at Red Hill. I subbed at the junior high, Mr. Huber sub. He hired me a lot at the junior high. He was principal at the junior high and at Petty at that time. So he hired me a lot. He would let me know in advance. So I would usually come down the night before. I spent, there were a lot of nights where I spent them in Bridgeport if I was going to be subbing. So Gary would have had that apartment to himself. Uh, third roommate, that's a whole different podcast there. <laughs> why there's not a third rate roommate that year. Um, so, um, so I subbed that semester. And I will tell you, um, kind of with my dad not ever wanting to give me any preferential treatment. You know, I would have loved to sub at seed school. Like that's, I mean, elementary yeah. seed school. I mean, we know how I feel about that, but he would never hire me for seed. He was very, and that's another, why I never applied at Red Hill to be a teacher because I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, and that's another thing I look back on if, how things would be different if I would have done that. Um, he ne- he did not want me to get a job. He didn't want to look like I got a job, and it was because um, what is nepotism yeah. is that he didn't want to look that way. So like he wouldn't hire me. Like I did, he did hire me to sub at the five six center a few times because he was in a bind and couldn't find anybody because he was principal at that at the five six at that time also. Yeah. So I did sub a little bit there, but yeah, that's um, I probably could have gotten hired there, but and that so. 
I do think back sometimes, wow, I wonder if what, how things would be different if I had taught at Rat Hill. But where I, so I, what, what I was getting at there was I was just loving life with Gary and subbing and making a little bit of money and spending time with my best friend. And <laughs> it was great. Uh, but it was about April. My mom and dad said to me, like, have you thought anything about looking for teaching jobs this year? <laughs> like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do next year? Has this and, entered uh, your mind at all? Yes, and I think it would enter my mind like quickly. Okay, I'm gonna think about. I don't want to think about it right yeah. now. So, but then it started getting like, okay, I got to start doing something here. I got to start looking for a teaching job for next year. And so I basically, I didn't really care where I taught at. I just wanted to get a teaching job, and I was willing to go anywhere. And I drove around and put in resumes at Iliopolis, Moreau Forsyth, Delay and Weldon, uh, Athens, because EIU would sit the EIU the education part would set this little flyer you could go by and like pick it up that told you like where all the t- job openings were in the state. And I would go there and I just kind of circled some L ed jobs that I wanted and just drove her drove my car through Illinois, just dropping off resumes. And once I went to Athens, I met the principal there that day. It was just different when I walked in. Like right when I walked in, he was like Kurt Manani was like He's like, okay, if we hire you for this third grade job, this is because they were doing some remodeling. They had a tornado the year before. It's going to be a brand new classroom. This is where your classroom is going to be. This is what, and he was like, not just like here. Okay, thank you. We'll give you a call. Like, yeah. he was like, acting like I was already hired for the job. So it's just like, it was almost like it was meant to be. I applied yeah. there. I interviewed twice and, and loved my time at Athens. Taught there, as I said, 15 years was the AD my last three years, which was, that was a dream job for me. Honestly, I taught half day. I was athletic director half day. Oh, wow. Um, and it was, so my teaching duties were just kind of, I taught just kind of wherever they need. Like I taught like a kindergarten computer class and then I would drive to the other school and teach a seventh grade current events class, which yeah. that was fun. Um, so, um, so just kind of teaching a little bit wherever, wherever needed and did that for three years and, and probably like, it was the perfect job for me. Could have done it for, I mean, I was dealing with coaches and officials and like, that was my job was sports coaches officials it was like it's almost like it's really what I, where i was meant to be at yeah but my daughter my my daughter josie who's 13 which is was born in 2009 my sec at the end of my first year's ad there and there were a lot of nights and we were living 40 minutes away at that time so i was leaving like at 6 15 in the morning and i was getting home at 10 30 at night so it was, and I yeah. lived that far away i couldn't like come after school go home and get a bite to eat and hang out with the family for a little bit um it just became like I was going days where I wasn't seeing Joe. She, she was in her crib when I left for school. She was in her she crib in when crib, I got home yeah. from school. So um, it just, I was, it was the wrong time in my life. If my kids would have been in school and been in sports and things like that, yeah. it would have been different because I would have been around. They would have been there anyway. Um, but I really, I got, I went back to EIU and got my master's degree in 2008. Um, my at educational administration to be, so I'd be a principal. Um, my dad, my dad's my hero. Uh, my dad was an elementary teacher and a principal. And so kind of to follow in his footsteps was something I was excited to try. So I did. I actually left Athens and got hired um, at Ridgeview up here where I'm at now as the principal, elementary principal. I did that for three years and I just didn't like it. Um, I didn't like being the boss of adults, like that's not that's not my personality. I like hanging out with them. Yeah, like I would right. love to be. I love the teachers I work with, and there's most of them. Are, a lot of them are still here today. I love, but like having to like discipline them or having the tough conversations with them. 
Like, that's not my style. My style is like be part of the team, kind of like a basketball, kind of be understated, like kind of be the low profile, but be part of the team as a low profile. That's how I do it as a teacher today. Having to be the main guy was not for me. I had let the superintendent know that I had told him the year before that we had a fifth grade opening and he had called me in his office in the summer. He's like, I need to talk to you right now. And I told him, I thought he was going to tell me he wanted me to move out of the classroom, move out of principal and move back to the classroom. And I told him, I was actually hoping he would like, yeah. I was honest with him. Like I was kind of hoping you were going to fire me from the, from the, <laughs> or did not really fire, but right. um, re reassign me to yeah. a different position because I'm just not loving this. And he, you can't hide it. I mean, when right. you, you just can't, you can't fake it. Right. So, um, that next year we had an opening and um, I, I I'm so thankful to him, Mr. Gratter and our school that they allowed me to a lot of schools wouldn't allow you to do would just, you know, if you don't want to be principal here, go find another job. But yeah. um, they had made me move into the district. I was required to live. So I had moved everything. We had moved here and um, allowed me to go back to the classroom. And that's where I met today. So at cool. Ridgeview day at Athens, um, yeah, I didn't know I was gonna get so personal and so in depth in this podcast that will stay out there for um, <laughs> yeah forever. But you guys are you're, you're like Howard Stern. You like bring out the, <laughs> the stories and the emotions and people that you didn't plan on talking about. Um, but at Athens, that's can I get back into Athens a little bit here? Yeah, I kind of went through my journey there. Um, that's that's where I got into basketball coaching. And honestly, of all the things I've done, even the eighty because I wasn't loving the eighty job completely because of family things like I talked about. The coaching part of of education has been like probably where I built my my greatest memories. Like I don't know the coaching fraternity within your school and even like the conference schools. I mean, it's tight. So those yeah, coaches that right. go listen to that, like those relationships I built are much tighter than what I built with like fellow teachers. Um, those coaches I worked with, and Brian got to know it. He'd come up and visit me in Springfield. He got to know some of them. Um, so, and you guys, I love you guys. Came and watched me coach. At that tournament that year, that was great. Yeah, uh, that six. So I coached sixth grade, but really had no intentions of ever, ever coaching. But sometimes to get a job, I mean, you've got jobs yeah. were competitive back then. They're not competitive anymore. I mean, they pretty much sometimes they're. But back then, you'd have 100, 100 200 people apply apply for an elementary teaching uh, position because well. I mean, colleges were pumping out L Ed um, yeah. grads. Um, so they talked to me about coaching basketball and I was honest, but told my experiences and so forth. I mean, I definitely understood the game, but you know, hadn't played at a real high level. So, um, now I talked to the junior high principal. He never, I never talked to him again. I talked to him like in July, June or July. I talked to him and never heard from him again. So I didn't think I was going to be coaching basketball and I was fine with that. I didn't want to coach basketball. Uh, and then the eight, I was at lunch one day, the athletic, this is one of those great phone calls. I, when I was going through my great phone calls, I didn't list this one in my mind. Um, Fred Lampke, the AD at Athens, gave me a call and said, we really need, can you coach sixth grade basketball for us and boys basketball? And I was hesitant, but um, he kind of gave me a good sell job, how he thought he would, I would do a good job and all this. And yeah. and I did, and I loved it. And I, I coached that, and I coached junior high girls basketball for a while. I've never coached anything up here at Ridgeview school-wise, worked out with my kids' te- rec league teams a little bit. But um, so, yeah. So since we have so many coaches listening, to that, I kind of want to talk about the the coaching aspect and those, those. And I would say if you talk to Coach Evans and Coach Lyles and Coach Gaither and those different guys, I think we'll maybe talk to Brian Havel sometimes. I think when they look back at their careers in education, they probably say the same thing. Those 
it's the it's the kids. I didn't mention the kids. I mean, the relationships I have with kids from Athens now, they're the yeah. I talk to the most. Our kids I had on my basketball team. I just talked to yeah. some of my students, but it's it's different. It's yeah. different being in a gym right. or a locker right. room. I mean, there's a lot of emotion and and good times and bad times that happen that just you just grow stronger together. Yeah. Um, so that was a big part of my education career. And maybe I'll get back into it again sometime. But um yeah, I just want to go into that a little bit since yeah, it's kind of a, since sports was our focus here. Well, speaking uh, of sports, and, and you were probably as big a Red Hill basketball fan as there's ever been, who, if you had to throw a lineup out there against, let's just say, the best team that uh, of of all of our opponents, who would you throw out there for Red Hill? What so be your starting best five? Team? I might, we're going best team, and we're not going with um, favorite team, or how, how do you want me to um, look at this? Because you want to win the game. I want to win throw, the game. Okay. Who are you throwing out there? Okay. I'm okay. I'll start. Okay. I'm a kind dude because some of my favorite players are some of the best. Excuse me. Some of the best players too. I'm starting with my first favorite player. Okay. And that's Chuck Rousey. Okay. Okay. I know he's now he's probably not. I mean, he's definitely, he's still one of the all time leading scores, but Chuck came in as a freshman and played freshman, plays a freshman right when I came in as a Red Hill fan. So we kind of, like for like he's all I knew as a red like he's always there for four years he was always on the court so I want him on the court because he's my first favorite player and so it's going to leave there's going to be another small forward or power forward that loses their spot because of that and that's fine yeah um, gosh this is so tough why we're doing it it's tough. And you're putting me on the spot <laughs> yeah right? so, that's what this is all about we try to stay away on the Facebook page from doing a best of list because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but these are some so uh, let's see. So we're going with a, we got to finish off our front line here. We're gonna put Chuck at a we're gonna put Chuck at small forward. Okay. I think the way I'll assemble this now, granted, we're not getting this is old school. So I know there's been some players in the past 20 years that are really good too. I didn't see him play enough. Yeah, let's this is people Lance, that you're familiar with. Yeah. Let's put Lance Smith and D Holloway on that front line. Okay. Okay. D Holloway's post <laughs> moves were just textbook. I mean, yeah, I just man. love his textbook post moves, his athleticism. Um David mentions that uh, was it grandfather or father that mentioned he's the they had like a D Holloway that once they saw D Holloway play I think David mentions oh like, yeah my grandpa Schrader <laughs> he always said as soon as he saw D start playing in his freshman year he's like he's the best player on the team yeah there we, so, <laughs> this, this, this included Brandon too yeah. <laughs> um, so he saw that talent at a young age yeah. and he, we talked about a little bit in the Richard he kind of was a, yeah. a later bloomer right. he wasn't the right. he was a good player on Gary Seems, but he wasn't like the star like he became oh, um, yeah so I got to come up with a backcourt and I'm gonna put he wasn't he wasn't the point guard on his team but on this team I'm gonna have to put him there. I'm going to put Stacy Moore at point guard. Okay. I think Stacy Moore can hand. I feel very confident putting the ball in his hand. I don't think the team, even though he's not your true point guard, um, I don't think we lose a lot having yeah. him on the court. Right. And he can um, score for you. Yeah. I mean, he's going to score a lot from that position. We can run a lot through him. So, leaves me with my shooting guard. We have to move him to this two position. Um, I believe. In current present day, I believe Gary's referred to him as the GOAT, like what they call the greatest of all time now. Uh, I've mentioned his name a lot on this podcast because he was a big part of my life, huge part of my life. Um, and 
the absolute best player to ever play at Red Hill. I don't care if you're talking the 2000s, the 80s, the 70s, the 90s. The most clutch. I think Fred Kindle said he hit 13 game-winning shots in his career. Yeah, Counting freshman yeah. ball, JV, and varsity. He had 13 game winners. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, 13 buzzer beers yeah. in his career. How many people uh, but, played at Red Hill and didn't have any? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our shooting guard is me number 40. Brandon Smith is going to is going to round out my starting and five, actually, the best ever at Red Hill. And actually, if you wanted to leave Stacy in his natural position, I'm sure Brandon could handle it. Yeah, but I'm Brady. yeah, <laughs> yeah Brandon or, or or center. Well, or hell, you could throw. Is. You could if you wanted to. You could throw Brandon down at small forward. Bring Chuck up. Hell, he can handle the ball for you. Yeah, and then okay, and your bench is going to be guys like Matt McCullough, Bobby Stevens. Um, hey. A lot of those, of course, eight, yeah. 80s guys that, you know, you can put Berkeley, Carey, Pat, Seed, if you're going to get those 80s teams we haven't talked about yet. McAdoo, if you go back to the 70s, I didn't get to watch him play. But um, And then, of course, the present-day guys, Brandon Christie, Jason Bryan, Cameron Vinsel, Drew Moore, all those guys from present day, the best players of the 2000s. And there's a lot of – you talk about overall point guard. I mean, Rob Waller was – he was like just your – he was kind of your – talk about textbook. He was your yeah, textbook yeah. point guard. Yeah. Um, who, who coaches then, that team for you? Fred Kendall. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So, Coach Kendall was was always – he's a great coach. I was so glad I came in with him. I mean, he was it was his second year there, but got to – my freshman year, got to have him as a freshman coach, always treated me um, treated me great. And uh, it was awesome, those three hours, that Saturday afternoon, getting to sit with him for three hours and talk basketball that day down oh, in Montgomery, awesome. Indiana. So, he'd awesome. be my head coach. Um, and then – Wow, who's going to be on his coaching staff? I mean, there's so many you could you could go with there. I mean, I I love late '70s, early '80s basketball. So Coach Ray has to have a spot on that team. He, coach Ray's son was in our class, so he worked with us a lot. So he's definitely on that coaching staff. All right, let's wrap things up here. Then you didn't know this was coming, so we're oh, no. gonna. But I know you like stuff like this, so we're gonna do it. We're gonna play word association. I'm gonna say some things, and you're gonna talk about. You're gonna say the first thing that pops in your the mind. First thing, okay. It can be All more right. than one word, right? Yeah, can, yeah. Be more than one word, but the first thing. This we're gonna wrap this up here. So here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Oil field days. Uh, break dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about each thing after? I say it? <laughs> I think you have to. I think you have to. I know we. I know we've covered this. The, ba- yes, the famous we'll break real quick, but um, and it's even it's mentioned in the we didn't start the fire song. That's right. It? That's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the, it was Mark Ambrose and um, Bobby, Bobby Battle, Battle and, and Doug, Doug Bosley. Yep. <laughs> they did like a break dancing performance for everybody to watch, oh, where wow. they acted like they were playing baseball, like <laughs> acted like they were like slow motion, slow motion robots. Yes. Oil filled days was amazing. <laughs> okay, David Letterman show. Um, Adam Street, ten forty five. Adam Street. I got into that show. Gary and Brian got me into that show. Probably Brian mostly because he's a little bit older. Got me into that show. And every I night. remember we were sitting there one day, and Brian said to me, and we know millions and millions love David Letterman, but that time it was eleven thirty. Not as many people were watching. Brian said Brian was just a young kid, fifteen, sixteen years yeah. old. You have to have the right kind of like, my, you know humor to understand these things that he's doing here and we've got that operation snowflake the thing that came to my mind i'm trying to explain it is you would get these little puff balls where you like get like pieces of yarn you have to like tie yarns onto 
to everybody's side. No, that's not very exciting, but I can give a story with it. Yep. So, okay, so you have these little snowball things. You take off, it's like a friendship type of thing. You go around and you tie it on somebody else's yarn necklace. Oh, wow. And because I'm, gonna get, I'm get, go, going to get to name a, a big name here that I haven't given him any credit yet in this podcast. You would tie it on and you would say something nice about that person. Oh. Jerry Leg was one of the counselors there. Jerry Leg pulled one off his, came over to me, tied it on to mine, and said, you're a great second baseman, Chip. Ah. And, okay, come on. <laughs> come on. Like, <laughs> thank you, Coach Jerry Legg of the Bridgeport Bulldogs. It, it maybe just real quick, Operation Snowflake, what it even was, because there's probably a lot of people that don't know <laughs> right. what So it was like an anti-drug-free type of thing where high schoolers would be like the, the leaders, and you have like the younger kids, like the fifth and sixth graders, junior high kids there, and you'd go through like, not using drugs type of things throughout the day. And it was just a, just a real positive play. It was all about positivity and things like that. So, and you'd have some adults like leaders in the community, like Jerry leg come and help also. It looks like Yeah, shout out to Jerry. Leg. I ran into him at gray's uh, restaurant a couple, a uh, few weeks ago. And, and I, I swear he looks nearly identical that he did 25 years ago. He's one of those people that never ages. Yeah. And he just Dennis Bowser, another one that never ages. Yeah. Haven't mentioned another great coach. I'm trying to get coaches I haven't mentioned. I'm trying to get their names in before this is over. The girls' gym. The girls' gym. Um, payday candy bars. Yeah. That's what I would, that's what I would say. <laughs> uh, we would go in there with that after lunch. I love those times. That was like our recess for the high school. After you ate lunch, you'd have that time in the gym to hang out with your friends. And then we'd usually get a payday from the can- from the snack bar. I ate a lot of paydays in there and had a lot of good times with my classmates from 91. And then a lot of 92 guys like David and so forth as year spent a lot of time with him there. And then, so yeah, I'm, I'm going payday candy bars with all and everything that involved that friend, that time with friends. The mornings before school weren't so bad. They weren't bad at all. <laughs> That's when I was more with Gary was the before school. Like I spent yeah. more time with Gary on the before school part. W-A-K-O. Kent Lakeford, too, I thought of. So um, listening to the occasional Red Hill game back then. It wasn't like it is now where you get every Red Hill game. And all those Lawrenceville games on nights where Red Hill didn't play. I mean, just, I mean, he is the... He, he's the all-time great at Waco. IOCC National Cheerleading Championships. Um, you guys, honestly, were what I think of. So I can talk about that. So you guys were um, you were the one. So I'm not going to give a fake answer here. So, yeah, it all worked out perfectly, as I said in that Facebook post, how we were all – we did not go down there together. We were all there separately and got to spend time together. David would go down with the Putneys because Jamie Putney was a cheerleader. My sister was in um, junior high, so she's a junior high cheerleader. Brian's then girlfriend, yep, Daphne, was a cheerleader. And Gary's then girlfriend, or Lori, was a cheerleader. And Gary would go down with Brian. And them and um God, so we funny. were all there at the same time and a lot of time like their significant others like Gary and Brian's were off doing cheerleading things so it was just it was basically as I talked about earlier it was this it like, was this it was podcast like, this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing this kind of stuff <laughs> in the Opryland Hotel so yeah that time with you guys it was great yeah. Casey Kasem's American Top Forty oh um, Brandon Smith. He got me into it. He got me into pop music. So that's that's who I'm going. And, well, we haven't even talked about um, Illinois high school sports website and yeah. message boards, and and then of course you you started the Red Hill this 
the Facebook page that started this podcast. Yeah. Okay, um, Alex Trebek. Um, my dad. I I wanted to give some shout outs to my mom and dad today. So my dad, those those days sitting with him uh, watching Jeopardy. Um, all those days up until like even now, like if I happen to be home when it's on watching that with him, those are excellent memories I have with him. Um, definitely one of the smartest way, way and I'm, I'm getting better and better at Jeopardy. My dad's way smarter than, than I have ever been and ever will be. And when I talk about my lack of athleticism, I want to talk about that. My dad is actually a pretty good athlete. He's I got all golfer, my athleticism yeah. from my mom. So I wanted to, <laughs> my mom has no athletic. Like we go to shoot bass. My dad can sit there and he can like, he can hit shots and he's good golfer and good. He was always good sports. I got none of that from him and really didn't get his intelligence from him either, but very smart guy and loves jeopardy. They might be giants. Um, Scott, Rollinson, my RA at EIU. So let's get some EIU talking there. He introduced he introduced me to two things on that dorm: how to play euchre, and they might be giants. And we spent a lot of nights listening to that great band playing euchre many nights. Lawrenceville Hardys, uh, my my first job. So I, um, I know a lot of people are like, I get, oh, I'll never work in fast food and and and, and so forth, but. Um, like I love fast, like fast food is one of my favorite things. So I, was, I was excited to work there, um, but honestly, it was good for me. And you talked to me about different. You talked about different groups of friends and things like how I could kind of fit in with different groups. But at Hardee's, I worked with people that um, a lot of people I worked with there were people I would never hang around with at school. Uh, they weren't like my. They were from a completely different crowd. Um, because the people I would hang around are basically the names I've been mentioning over and over here on this podcast. So it's a completely different group of people and um, working with the public and realizing, wow, like every, all my teachers, coach, like everybody I'm around, my family is like these awesome people, my, my, my friends and my friends' parents, not everybody's a really good, is that good of a person. There's a lot of jerks out there. <laughs> and I, and I learned that getting like, wow, my, my bubble going outside of that, but this little perfect world I live in. So it taught you learn a lot about in So yeah. help me in being in my career choice as well. Working with all kinds of different people. Got four more. William Wesley Evans. Well, thank you. I didn't feel like we got to talk about him much today. Um, <laughs> got a uh, current events test in history class. As a teacher, I talk about this sometimes. I think I mentioned it on the teacher podcast. I honestly, I remember he put a bunch of notes on the board in world history that freshman year. I mean, he would fill that board yeah. with notes. That's how and, I learned how to take notes. And I really, I was not into it. I mean, like I didn't pay close attention. I didn't, I, but what, but every Friday he would go away from that, do that current events test, which I loved doing that. Cause I, it was questions about TV, movies, sports, and which oh, is I what I was it. into. Loved it. And I was really good at, like, I would usually have, like, the highest score in the class where I would, on a rank, on a world history test, I'd be one of the lower scores in the class, probably. <laughs> so, um, but what it, as a teacher, what it taught me was um, it's not always, like, just that content you teach. It's do things that are going to be memorable for the kids because that's what they're going to remember is those right. extra things you do. And, um, and and that's what where I think he excelled as a teacher. He did all those extra things that he didn't have to do as a teacher. Um, the the bracket, the NCAA brackets, the crossword puzzle he would make with all the basketball players and cheerleaders' names in it. Um, he did a lot of extra things, and 
he built great relationships and he, he so many that he still has today. So, uh, but that current events quiz is where my mind went. We talked about this one a lot, but I kind of want to sum it up. The, the importance in your life, seed school. Seed school. It was just, um, I mean, that's where you real those friendships. That's where it, those are formative years. So those friends I made in class it, you, there were just friends. I still have today. Um, I I just sent Jimmy Secrets a text about seed school, some of the seed school last night. So I hadn't talked to you for a while. We, we, the four of us were talking. I had a question. I said, well, I'll just, I'll text Jim and let him see what he, what he knows about it. Um, so just those, those friendships I made and then just, um, and, um, the, the, the teachers. Um, so yeah, just, just formative years, I guess. And, uh, and, and getting to be there with, uh, my dad was special too. Yeah. Um, we didn't even talk about the Chicago Cubs convention or the Chicago Cubs, which is huge in your life, but well, yeah, I had it on this list. Part two. WGN. <laughs> <laughs> oh, WGN? Is that what you or yeah. that like where yeah, you WGN. Oh, Cubs, well, of course. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, what every game on, watching them every day, that's how you how you become even when I wasn't a Cubs fan yet. I mean, they're the team I knew the most about because I watched them every day. So yeah. Cubs baseball. And then again, another thing we didn't talk about you. I think we may have mentioned this on another podcast, is you you and Gary's uh, <laughs> attempt to ride your bike on every single street uh one day. But to sum it up, the last thing, Bridgeport, Illinois. Uh it's home. I, I've had lots of homes since then, but it will always be home. When I was there last week, it honestly, when I'm there, it it doesn't feel like like it doesn't feel like I left it. It feels like I was there yesterday. Every time I'm there, so it will always be home, no matter where I live. And and I like to and I have no problem letting people know how great Bridgeport is. What a great place it was to grow up. It was it and, was. I tell people that all the time. I live over here in, in Indiana, and it was just. Uh, it was a great place to grow up, especially in the seventies and eighties. It was just, a and you guys were a big part of like David and I became friends later, like in high school, but you guys, like it's Brian's no Brian and Corey Ray have known me longer than anybody. And Brian probably longer since he's four years older than Corey, but, um, we didn't talk about, I babysitted you for two summers. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> of study to go over. So we, we, and, um, yeah, so Thank you guys. For, and one thing I mentioned a lot, some I mentioned to these guys, and I'll give Brian a shout out here. Brian was an awesome babysitter for one. He mentioned that, but like when they moved, Brian got his driver's license soon, a few months after they had lived, um, after they moved to Adams street there in 1984. And um, Brian would like, would take even times when he, his friends were off doing other things. He would take time. He's, he's been, he's an he's awesome older brother to Gary. I mean, they're, they're the best of friends, the best brother combination I know. And, um, the time he would spend with us, like take us in on cruises when his friends were doing something else and, and take us to sixth street on a Friday night and showed it, cruise it up and down sixth street. I mean, <laughs> Brian talks a lot about sometimes he had his like shenanigans, like his high school shenanigans that a lot of high school did some wild and crazy times he had. But he always spent time with us and was very like responsible with this. Like took very good care to make sure that um, nothing would, you know, he would pay attention to us. Nothing would happen to us and, and all that. So just those times growing up with you guys were great. And Brian for being that way. I mean, you don't see very many teenagers that are that way with their little brother and their little brother's friends. So thank you very well, much for that. And I was having a blast. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. and that's what led us here. And, and you, and anybody that listens to this podcast just gets to eavesdrop on the same things we were doing back in 1985. Yeah. So, um, well, that's going to wrap it up the Chip Jamerson episode, and and tell tell your friends when you when you give them 
let them know that there's a new podcast out if they've missed it. I, I knew this is what this would be. This wasn't while the chip was the focus, this was going to encompass Bridgeport <laughs> and Red Hill because um, <laughs> Chip is is a a historian, if nothing else, and and uh, it was it was great to so tell them there's all kinds of stuff. If you if you know somebody at Red Hill, they probably got mentioned at some point on this yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> If they don't want to listen to it, just have them download it so my so my numbers look good on Podbean. <laughs> <laughs> just have them download it and then just forget yeah, about dude. it. That way my Podbean numbers go up. I'm not the, the lowest rated episode on uh, the old school Red Hill podcast. Well, Chip, you're you're awesome, and and this was a, this was a fun fun couple hour podcast here to to go down memory lane. And on our next show, um, I'm thinking we do a this week in in uh, in the Daily Record. Those are always fun. They're so easy to prep for. And two weeks would be somewhere, what, that week of January 2014, 23rd. What year do you want to do? Let's just decide it right now. Well, David didn't have as much to say on this podcast, so we're going to let David pick the year, I think, of oh, what wow. year he wants to do this week in Daily Record. January 23rd of uh, 92. Okay, 92. that's right, David King's Alley yeah. there. Oh, yeah. there All right, that's the next episode. <laughs> okay. On behalf of Gary Emmons, David King, I'm Brian Emmons, and this was a fun episode digging into the life of <laughs> podcast host Chip Jamerson. He's one of the best there ever was, and I said it at the beginning of the broadcast. He is a true Bridgeport kid, and this was this was just a lot of fun. And I, and I had a blast. Thanks for doing this. And honestly, this is yeah. something I look forward to having out there that my kids can listen to yeah, 20, absolutely. 30, 40 grandkids may uh, yeah. listen to this. So True, it's yeah. neat that we have this out there for them. And Gary and David have one out there for their kids and grandkids. And Brian will be having one soon. So don't yep. worry. We're saving Brian for last. <laughs> All right. Here we go. That's going to do it for this episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. Thank you again. Our sponsors, People State Bank, Andrews Insurance Agency, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House, and, of course, Gray's Restaurant. Until next time, we are Red Hill. Let's go white. <laughs>